bless you. I just want to sing a quick song before Terry. Y'all go ahead and be seated. We rejoice, we rejoice in the name of the Lord. We rejoice in his love today. By his love he has conquered and something all the great. We rejoice in his love today. Boundless love, boundless love. He has conquered all the death and the grave. Boundless love, boundless love. By his love, our souls are saved. You know, we got heaven, we got saved. Isn't that wonderful? Because of his boundless love. Amen. Is that all you're going to do? Well, I didn't figure you were through. So. Well, go ahead and let me do something else, and then I'll call you back up here. Y'all uh, stand up with me, if you would, please. <coughs> I, uh, the Lord instructed me to go ahead and pray for you tonight before we preach. And, uh, and I want to lay hands on you. Well, the Lord wants me to lay hands on you. I don't, I don't usually do that. You know, I just pray what I call a crusade prayer. And because, uh, you know, in crusades, we've got too many people to lay hands on. So we pray one prayer and let the Holy Ghost fall. And he's the healer, not me. But, uh, <clears throat> but laying on hands is a Bible doctrine. And Jesus did say to do it, you know. So uh, the church in America has gotten married to it, and which is sad because it's just one of many, many, many methods of healing. You know, Jesus, Jesus spit on folks. I could spit on folks tonight. And we walked by them and the shadow of Jesus healed them. Then the shadow of Peter later on healed them. So we could do a shadow service. You know, there's just all kinds of methods. There's prayer, cl prayer claws and anointing with oil. And, and, hmm? and then just speaking the word only. The, the centurion said to Jesus, just speak the word only. You know, and then, and then uh, Jairus said to Jesus, he said, I want you to come to my house and lay hands on my little girl. So wh wherever your faith is, he'll meet you there. The centurion said, speak the word. So Jesus spoke the word and he was healed. Jairus fell down his feet and said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Yeah. Jesus said, sure, that's, that's where you're at. That's what we'll do. And so he went and uh, could have raised her just by speaking to her. Could have done a bunch of things. Could have spit on her. Could have anointed her. Could have done all kinds of stuff. But because her daddy said, lay your hands on her. The Bible says Jesus walked into where she was dead, in the room where she was laying there dead, and took her by the hand. We don't have him account of him doing that anywhere else, but that's what the man asked Jesus to do. So we, we need to broaden our expectors and, uh, and not get locked into one method or one area or one thing. But nevertheless, uh, I, I do, uh, I, I want to minister to you tonight. Can, can you and Bob, um, if you want to go to the keyboard, fine. If you, you just want to sing, you know. Uh, what is it you and Rhonda sang when I was ministering? Uh, one of the old, uh, wouldn't only believe, but it was something like that. One of the old uh, songs. Yeah. You look blank. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. When my open air crusades, I always, in every crusade I've ever had overseas, big crowds, little crowds, whatever, I always sing that, that have them sing that song that only has one word in it. And it's the same in every language in the world, around the world. Hallelujah. 
And uh, so to me, that's always a good miracle song. It doesn't have any words in it except hallelujah. Do you, do you let me tell you a little something about the word hallelujah. Do you know it was never intended for you to say hallelujah to God? Now, I don't think he minds. I don't think it bothers him a bit. We all do it, and I certainly do it, and I do it every day, uh, and I'm sure you do too, but it was never, never, never invented or intended for you to say to God. It was intended for you to say to your enemies. Because hallelujah means behold, or look, behold the strength of my God. When your enemy comes against you, you say, hey, look at the strength of my God. Hey, look at the blood of Jesus. Hey, look at the name of Jesus. Hey, look at the angels. Look, look how much power I've got behind me. Amen. Now, I don't think God cares if you say hallelujah to him. I do it all the time. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. But, I, but I think he just, I think he gets over it. I think he says, well, they don't know any better. You know? But it was never intended uh, for you to say to him. It was intended for you to say to your enemies. And I'm not trying to get you not to do it. I still do it. I'll do it tonight and tomorrow. So I'm not trying to get you not to do it or I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying it, it really has a stronger meaning than what the church uses it for. Because we just say, oh, hallelujah, Father. Well, couple that with, look at the strength of my God. Thank you for coming to take me out, my kids, my husband, my wife, my business, my, my health. You look at the strength of my God. You look at the blood of Jesus. You look at the stripes on his back. Amen. Well, anyway, y'all come up. There's not very many of us here. Just come up and stand across here. Let me lay hands on you. And uh, we could uh, praise the Lord. And I know you're not coming for something yourself. I've asked you to come. So you're coming uh, because I've asked you, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, I have prayed for this meeting long before we got here. And uh, long before we got to, to, to the town. Long, you know, weeks for weeks. And then, of course, ever since I've been here. And then, of course, praying for these precious ones tonight. I, I told you this afternoon, you know who's going to be there tonight. So, uh, what would you like me to do for them? And so, you said just lay hands on them. So, so we're just going to lay hands on everybody. Praise the Lord. Is that all right? Brother Hagen used, used to say it like this. He'd, he'd say, it's a law. He'd say, by the law of contact and transmission. How many thousand times have I heard him say that? By the law. See, God operates by laws. The church gets so messed up today because they hate law. They say, oh, brother, I don't like law. I don't like law. I do. I love it. Thank God for law. That tells me what I can do, what I can't do, what God will do, what he won't do. Amen. I'm a pilot. Thank God there's laws of aviation, so I know where to, where to go and not to kill somebody. You know, there's laws out there on the highway. I know, I know what that guy's supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. That way we don't hit each other. Right? That, that's why hell is so trying to stop laws in America today. There's no deterrent, and if there's no deterrent, Bad guys say, I can just go do anything. I won't get put in jail. I won't get I won't go to prison. I won't get shot. Hey, I can I can I can steal up to what? What is it nowadays? Two thousand dollars a day you can steal? You can just walk into Walmart or a jewelry store or something, as long as you don't steal over two thousand dollars, you won't go to jail. Was well, that the dumbest thing you ever heard in all your life? But it 
it's, he's trying to do away with law so you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm lawless. I'm without law. I'm without responsibility. I, I can do what I want to. Well, that's never been a God thing. The Bible says every man does what's right, does what's right, what seems right in his own eyes. That's always been bad. We always want to do what's right in his eyes. And the law keeps us uh, in a protected area. I'm safe because I obey the law. I can get people healed because I obey the law. What law? The law of contact and transmission. Brother Hagin say it's a law, but by the law of contact and transmission, the contact of my hand on your head and the transmission of the anointing that's in me into you causes healing to come. Because it's a law. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the law, by the law of contact and transmission, by the law of Jesus saying, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall recover. By the law, all through the Old Testament, where the father was to lay hands on the child uh, and impart blessing and impart future blessing and impart legacy and heritage, there's a law of laying on of hands. There's impartation, the impartation by the laying on of hands. No, it's not the only way to get healed, but it's a, it's a good one. And it's Old Testament and it's New Testament. As well as some of the other methods are the same way. And, but tonight you led me to lay hands on people, even before I preached. So we're expecting you to heal and cure and make well and make whole and do healings and do miracles and do deliverance tonight by faith in faith in the name of Jesus. So as I lay my hands on them, the anointing, there it is right there, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage, the anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts, the anointing of the Holy Ghost of Heaven, the anointing that was in the Ark of the Covenant that killed people if they touched it and mishandled it wrong. Or mishandled it, period. That is wrong. It, it, it's, it's a power. It's a tangible force. It, it, it destroys. It's a destroying anointing. It destroys the yoke of bondage. You said the anointing destroys. The anointing destroys. The anointing destroys yoke of bondage or whatever yoke might be represented in the house tonight or those watching online whatever whatever yoke where it may it might be called cancer it might be called AIDS or HIV it might be called lupus or leukemia it might be called COVID it might be called uh, just, the, just the flu it, 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 whatever it is it might be a, a marital problem it might be a financial problem it might be a, a business problem but it's a yoke of bondage and you said the anointing destroys it so as I lay hands on these precious ones tonight in obedience to Jesus the head of the church in obedience to the Holy Ghost then that anointing is going to go into them and it will destroy the yoke now the anointing also creates what's necessary so whatever needs to be created they may need a new heart, a new liver, new lungs, new pancreas, new, new whatever. I'm believing you for a brand new 2023 model of whatever they need. 
you're the creator you're the one that built them you're the one that gave them the eyes the ears the nose the heart the, the liver the lung you you're, you you we're your creation so fixing us is not a problem for you a new heart isn't a problem for you new kidneys aren't a problem for you I've had doctors confirm over the many years I've been in the ministry. When I prayed for somebody, they said, well, they don't have the same heart. They've now got the heart of a younger person. They, they no longer have a sick liver, a dying liver. They've got a brand new liver. Doctors say that. They've got brand new kidneys. And so, Father, by the laws of contact and transmission, that anointing will go into them and destroy the yoke of bondage and create what's necessary and I thank you Father for that anointing in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Father 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 in the name of the Lord Jesus now that's the anointing right there that's good for you that'll never hurt you in the name of the Lord Jesus the anointing the anointing, the anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing, mm, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. That's good for you, isn't it? Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Yeah, that's it, the anointing. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing. Go into my brother to do what's necessary, to do what's needed, to destroy what's not right, and to create what's needed in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing. Go into my brother Mark right now in Jesus' name. Fresh anointing, fresh oil, fresh fire. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm, yeah, that's good right there. Watch well, just like warm honey poured on top of it. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we give you glory. We give you the glory, Lord. We give you the glory. And devil, we say to you, hallelujah. Look at the strength of my God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing, <laughs> the anointing, the anointing, the anointing from his head to his feet. Now just take that in. Just take that right in. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that's good. In the name. That anointing. One thing about the anointing, it will hover. It will linger. It will saturate. It will permeate. In other words, it will just stay on you. So uh, as, you, as you go back to your seats tonight and I preach, just, just sit there with it. Just be a sponge uh, for that anointing just to work on you the whole time we're here. In fact, you can take it home with you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing, the anointing going to my brother, the anointing from on high to destroy what's not right and to create what's needed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Devil, you 
watch this. The anointing goes into her body right now. The anointing, the bloodline. You can't cross the blood. You can't do anything with that. The blood. Hallelujah. Look at the strength of the blood. Look at the strength of my God. Look at the power of God. Look at the stripes on Jesus' back. Look at it. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah, the anointing. Thank you, Father. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's good for you. That's good for you right there. Thank you, Father. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, that'll work. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing. Oh, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The anointing flow into her body. It's a law. It's a law of contact and transmission. It's a law of God. Now, body, you be healed in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, the anointing. Yeah, he's just wrapping you in his arms of love right now. Just this the love of God. Just crawl up in the Father's lap. He'll just sit there and hold you. The anointing. Destroy every yoke right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah, thank you, Father. Jesus. Oh, the anointing. <laughs> the anointing, the anointing. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The anointing from on high. The anointing. Flow into him from his head to his feet. Fix everything in Jesus' name. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Father, we thank you for the anointing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, that's it right there, right there. That's good for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Head to foot, head to foot, head to foot, head to foot. Anointing, anointing, anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now receive that. Let that anointing go into you. Just let it go. Just, just receive it. Thank you, Father. The anointing. Now there you go. There you go. The anointing. Destroy every yoke of bondage. Destroy it. Wipe it out. And create what's necessary. Thank you for healing, wholeness, soundness, wellness, blessing, increase, abundance. In Jesus' name. Thank you. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who are we praying for? You need to stay right there, Sydney. Father, in the name of the Lord. Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name, in the name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. The anointing. The anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts. The anointing. The anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. 
the anointing that creates and sitting there what needs to be created. Now, body, you line up with that. You line up with that. You obey the voice of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing from her head to her feet, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, minister to her and create what's necessary and destroy every yoke of bondage in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing flow into you, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing saturator right now. Father, in the name Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, healing to make this injury as though it had never happened, to wipe it out, make it void, make it non-effect, every ligament, every tendon, every nerve, every part healed in the name of Jesus, the anointing, the anointing flow through her and destroy every yoke and create that which is necessary in the name of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, that anointing, Father, we just take that all night long. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. The anointing, the anointing, destroy the yoke, destroy the yoke, lift the burden, create what's necessary in the name of Jesus. Gracias, Señor, te damos en el nombre de Cristo Jesús. Longsion, the anointing, from her head to her feet. The anointing, destroy the yoke and create, create what's necessary. Yeah, that's just a good hot, hot oil bath right there, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing flow into Morgan from his head to his feet and destroy every yoke of bondage. Father, I thank you for renewing his youth like the eagles with strength that, that, and stamina that amazes people. The anointing. We call on and lean on the anointing to destroy every yoke and to create what's necessary. Father, in the name of the Lord 
the anointing flow through my brother. The anointing. The anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for causing him to stand in faith and stand in authority and stand in power and decree the word of God and stand on the word of God and, and, and be and he will quote the anointing. The anointing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. That anointing right there. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing. That starts getting thick after a while. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The anointing. Destroy the yoke of bondage. Destroy it. Destroy it. Destroy it. Yeah. And create what's necessary. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 You know, you know, in the Old Testament. Now, y'all don't leave. I hadn't preached yet. <laughs> I was at a church in California a few weeks ago, and I, I got up and made some opening remarks and comments and what have you, and I called Renee up, and she preached forever and a day. And, uh, and, and then uh, I, uh, I, I told the people, I said, the Lord wants me to pray for you before I preach, but, but a crusade prayer. I'm going to pray a crusade prayer. And so you do the impossible. When I get through, you, you, you see what the Lord's done. And so I, I did and, God, and they did, and God did, and it was good. And so then I started to preach. And, and, and the pastor's wife just got up and walked to the front, got a microphone, stood over here. And, I, and they're dear friends of ours, longtime friends, partners. And I said, I said you, do you need to say something? Do I need to give you some time to say something? She said, no. And so I went on, and she stood, stood there. And I turned around and said, do you need something? Am I need to do something here? And she said, no, I just, I just came up to take the offering because I thought you were through. <laughs> I said, I won't ever get through. <laughs> you know better than that. She said, go sit down. <laughs> and she thought because I had prayed for the sick, you know, then we, we were done. I said, no, we just got started. Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, uh, and I know you know this, but sometimes you need to be remembered. I love something Peter said to us when he wrote his gospel or his, his epistle, he said, uh, he said, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm alive, he said, I'm going to nag you and put you in remembrance of what the Lord said. And I just have that same kind of attitude. You know, as long as I'm around, I'm going to just keep, Renee's worse than I am. I know. Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, you couldn't, you, a human being, could not stand the anointing of God. You couldn't take it. You just couldn't take it. It's such a tangible thing and such a powerful thing and it's such a holy thing that uh, God had even separated himself and had the Holy of Holies in the temple 
back at the back where nobody can see in thick, thick curtains. And no, if anybody went back there, they dropped dead. The only time somebody could go back there was the priest, if he's living right, and if he's doing right. But they would tie a rope around his waist, and, and he had bells on the bottom of his, of his, of his robes. Because if he got back there and just died, nobody could go get him. So as long as you heard the bells tinkling, you knew he's alive. And then if the bells quit tinkling and nothing happened after a while, then you took the rope and pulled him out. But you can't go back there and get him, you die. And we forget how powerful that is. And then when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, meaning the old covenant's finished, we're starting a new covenant. There's a new sheriff in town. Right, then uh, it tells us that the veil of the temple was 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 rent in twain in two, from the top to the bottom. I mean, just the Lord just went, and He moved, and He said, "Okay, now the anointing is going to live in humans." But if, if, you know, the, the anointing never, the Holy Spirit never lived in them. The, the Old Testament tells us the anointing came on them. And then it lifted. The anointing overshadowed them. The anointing followed them. The anointing led them. They never said the anointing was in them. In the New Testament, it says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Ark of the Covenant was just so anointed, had that anointing in it, that uh, nobody could touch it or they'd die. So they carried it around with these poles. Four guys had carried it around with these poles, but nobody's going to touch it. And, and when you know the story well, one day they somebody stumbled and, and, and it started to fall over. And there's a soldier standing there that, you know, loved God and loved everything. And he's just doing his duty. He saw the ark was falling. So he reached up to, he didn't, he didn't have malice in his heart. He wasn't a bad guy. It's just, oh, my Lord, the, the ark's falling. So he grabbed it. And boy, I tell you, as soon as he touched it, he's dead. They couldn't stand that anointing. The anointing came on. The Spirit of God came on Samson. And he killed a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. And then it lifted. It couldn't stay on him. He'd kill him. Right? The Spirit of the Lord came on Elijah. And he outran the king's chariots. And then it lifted. It, didn't, it, it wasn't always there. It wasn't on demand. But that's because they weren't born again. Nobody in the Old Testament was born again. Nobody had a recreated human spirit. Amen. But when Jesus came, he changed all that. He said, okay, now you must be born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how is that possible? How can we go back into our mother's womb when we're a grown man and get born again? That's nuts. He said, no, you must be born again. And so whenever you got get born again, all of a sudden, now you have a, a recreated human spirit that can handle the anointing. And so the anointing is Christ in you now is the hope of glory. The anointing goes into you now. The anointing stays in you, hovers in you. We're anointed. There's gifts and callings and anointings that just stay with people. Amen. And we need to learn how to give in to that anointing and, and, and let it stay with us longer. 
I tell people after a great miracle service or something night, I'll say, now, don't, don't fellowship. If the anointing went into you tangibly and you, you felt it, you don't have to feel it, but if you do, uh, then, then don't, don't fellowship it off. Don't go out to coffee with somebody and coffee it off. Just, just, just go home or stay at the church. Go down here and pray. Stay at the church or go home. And just tell the Lord, Father, that anointing's on me, and I'm not going. I'm not going to fellowship it off, or coffee it off, or watch TV it off, or I, I'm just going to go to bed. And uh, you just work on me all night. I, I give you permission. I give you spiritual authority to just work that anointing to work in me all night long. You just create what needs created. You just destroy what needs destroyed, and I'm just going to get in bed. Amen. And when we learn to do, that, and it's a learning. It's a learning process. It's a learning. Uh, but when you learn to do that, then that anointing will hit. It'll just stay there. If you don't dis- get distracted and you don't go do something else where the Holy Spirit says, well, I'm not messing with that. You say, well, let's go out to coffee and let's have, you know, some pie and this. And the Holy Spirit, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He's got other things to do. But if you're going to give in to it, submit to it, yield to it. You know, you know in the old days when Renee and I were kids growing up in church, she in a Pentecostal church in Louisiana and me in a Pentecostal church in Texas, but we, you know, the church had words back then that meant, meant some pretty special things. We, we talked about yield to the Holy Spirit. You don't hear that anymore. We talked about pleading the blood of Jesus. Why, you people today think you're out of your mind. I still plead the blood. That's, that's my plea. That's my case. I'm pleading the blood in this situation. The blood of Jesus is against you, devil. Hallelujah. You behold the power of the blood. I got the sweetest email today. This really got to me and to Renee from my spiritual father, one of my spiritual fathers, one I've had the longest, Wayne Myers. Wayne will be 101 years old at the end of this month. And... Uh, it was so precious, and, and uh, I met Wayne when I was 18, 55 years ago, and he's been my, I thought he was really old then, he was 40, you know, <laughs> I was 18, and he was really old, but I recognized the spirit on him, I recognized the faith on him, I recognized living to give on him that I had never known anything about. I knew pay tithes and give offerings, but I didn't know what he knew. And uh, uh, anyway, he, he became my spiritual father and my mentor and my general and my hero. And <laughs> I always say, when I grow up, I'm going to be like Wayne. And, uh, and I, I've said this statement many times in many big, huge meetings. I said, you know, I know all the greatest Word of Faith ministers uh, personally. I knew Brother Hagin personally, been in his home. Uh, and Brother Copeland been in his home, knew, knew you know, Kenneth's been a friend for almost 50 years in glory. Uh, Jerry Savelle, you know, Carolyn and Renee went to school together as girls, and they all went to the same church together. You, anytime you hear Kenneth and, and Jerry talk about their early earliest days, they're always talking about Life Tabernacle in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, you remember Jerry Savelle tells a story about how his little girl, he had two little girls, Jerry, uh, Jerry Ann and Terry Lynn, and uh, those girls were back in the nursery, and uh, Terry Lynn was, was, was crawling, and she crawled, and the nursery worker was in there rocking in a rocking chair, rocking a baby. And Terry Lynn crawled over there and crawled under that rocking chair, and the lady rocked on her and, and cut off these two fingers, just cut them off. You, you probably heard Jerry tell that. I mean, he's told it for decades. 
And Brother Copeland was actually preaching there at the time. And so the nursery worker grabbed Terry Lynn. Now, Terry Lynn today is just a beautiful girl. Her name is Terry Savelle Foy, F-O-Y, if you want to look her up. And she just, you know, she's a little Barbie doll looking thing. And she, she teaches all over the world. And she certainly has this thing where she teaches women. I don't even know what all she teaches them, but I mean, she just, and, and, and her fingers, you go look at her fingers, man, they're just perfect fingers and perfect fingernails and everything. And, uh, and so uh, the nursery worker comes running out there screaming down the, down the aisle <laughs> holding this baby and it was blood that's spurting blood you know out of both out of both stumps and uh, so they brought it up there to brother copeland and jerry jumped up and carolyn jumped up and carolyn screaming and jerry and he tells this in his tapes when he tells the story he said i said shut up carolyn pray in tongues shut up carolyn pray in tongues shut up carolyn pray in tongues and uh, brother copeland they get him the baby and blood's doing this and he said where are those fingers at and somebody said they're in the nursery well dean and renee were on staff there and uh, so uh, Dean said, I'll get them. And he ran back to the nursery and he grabbed some paper towels and wet them and then picked those fingers up and came up there and gave them to Brother Copeland. He put them here and started praying for them. And then, and then they wrapped it all up and they took her to the ER and the hospital. The doctor said, well, I'll, I'll reattach them. They said, you need to know they'll, they'll never grow uh, right and, and she'll never have fingernails. You know, and, uh, and so Jerry said, well, you don't know my God, you know. And uh, he said, well, I'm just telling you. And Jerry said, well, I'm just telling you. And, and so they reattached them and bandaged them up and so on. And then when they came back for checkups, and then, and then the last checkup, the doctor un unbandaged her fingers. And he, he, said, he said, my God. And Jerry said, no, my God, like I told you. <laughs> but anyway, so we grew up in it kind of stuff and, uh, uh, and, and, and and watching those older people serve God and worship God and, and us teenagers I don't know if y'all grew up in the Pentecostal or an old line Baptist church maybe uh, where, where, the, where the old folks prayed for you I don't know if you older folks pray for the younger folks these days or not but it sure would be good if you did I'm eternally grateful for those Renee calls them old hairy-legged, hairy-armpit women that, that, you know, just love God with all their heart, you know, and just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But all of us teenagers knew we couldn't get away with anything. We knew sure as we do something, the Holy Ghost is going to tell one of those, one of those saints. I mean, seriously, I'm not joking. And man, we'd be standing there and you're in church just minding our own business, you know, singing or doing whatever, and one of them would come by and say, honey, we need to go to the prayer room. And you think, oh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And, uh, and they'd take you to the prayer room, and then you'd pray until, not till you got through. They'd pray till they got through. But I tell you, they sure fixed lots of kids that way. Sure, sure kept us straight. Sure kept us knowing the Holy Ghost would tell on us. Amen. But see, that, that, that anointing is so special. And it's not just church as usual. We need to get out of this nonsense we're in today of just church as usual. We need to realize we come in this sanctuary. That's right. Oh, Brother Terry, the church is not the building, it's the people. Yeah, but the sanctuary, if you, read, if you know anything about the Bible... Every now and then, Brother Hagin said, you know, people tell me this and this and this and this. And he said, he said, 
I don't believe it because I'm intelligent. And they said, Brother Hagin, I don't believe this, and I don't believe this. He said, well, you can read, can't you? You got a Bible, don't you? <laughs> you read the Bible and you'll believe it. Because you go read the Word and find out all these wonderful secrets and, and, and things. But, the, but all through the Bible, it talks about this, how special and holy it is in the sanctuary. And, you know, everybody can treat that the way they want to. Some, some churches let you bring coffee and food in the sanctuary. And, you know, some don't. And uh, I sure wouldn't. And uh, uh, I know that this is just a, just a building. But, but we've also designated this room as the sanctuary. I go, I go in churches today where, I mean, I mean, there'll be eight or ten men, old men and young kids that don't know any better wearing hats in church. I just want to go in there and knock it off of them, you know, because I, 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 I was raised where you don't do that. You know, you're in the sanctuary. Jackie and I were engaged to be married, and I was a youth leader of our church, and we, we, we stopped by church one day. I had to run into church and get something. I don't know what it was, so. And uh, so I, I stopped by there, and I had my own key to the church, so I opened the door and went in there, and, and she came along with me, and, and I went to a couple of offices looking for whatever I, I was looking for. I don't know what it was. And, uh, and then finally I, I, I walked down into the sanctuary because uh, there's an office back behind the, the altar was here. And, uh, and so we walked down the aisle together, and I'm going on a mission to get whatever it was I was going to get, and she stopped and grabbed me and kissed me. And I grabbed her and said, don't you ever do that in the sanctuary again. So she thought I was a religious nut, you know. But uh, I, said, I, I said, I'm for kissing, but not, 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 we're not doing that, that in here. Just there, there, there's a, and I know it's just another room, but it's, it's a holy room because we've de designated it and consecrated and committed it to that and for that. Amen. Amen. That's why it's special. We, we've, we've dedicated it. Y'all had a church dedication, right? Yeah. We dedicated it to the Lord. That this room is for God to talk to us. Now, we know he can talk to us at home. But this is where we have that corporate. You know, Renee and I have always said that we, we believe the, the, the best idea God ever had after, after sending Jesus was the church. Because it's the local church where things happen. It's a local church where there's a corporate anointing. There's corporate faith. There's corporate prayer. There's corporate giving. There's corporate agreement. And, and things happen. When we're here like this, we can make things happen that those precious people watching online can't do at home. Now they can pray at home and God can hear them at home and God can bless them at home, but it'll never be like the corporate because God's got all those scriptures about two and, and, and agreement and, right? One giving a thousand flight, two giving a ten thousand flight, right? And so God, God has a, there, there's a special blessing. You know, if we were going to raise a, a, a missions offering to go help some people or help some orphans or go, go preach the gospel somewhere, then we're going to get that done more in the sanctuary, more in the church than we are just sitting home in the pajamas watching on TV. You know, I'd rather be in church, and, and if I'm sick, come up and have hot, anointed hands laid on me. Then at home, get up there and walk over to my TV set and, or my iPad and lay, you know, lay my head on the screen. Because, because you know, it's just not the same. You can still pray. God can still move. 
but it's not, it's not the same. There's levels. There are levels. Amen. Anyway, Brother Wayne wrote me a real sweet email today. I don't know how I got on the rest of that. And uh, he said, uh, he said, Terry, he said, you, you and Renee, you know, have been with me the longest. He tells me that all the time. You've been with me longer than anybody, you know. Back, Bob, the first t time I got to Mexico, Jackie and I and baby just got out of the army, went to Mexico, went to his house. We didn't have any partners, didn't write a newsletter, didn't know how, didn't know enough to get in and out of the rain, didn't know come here from Sikkim. And uh, we went to his house because we had to, we were called by the government into Mexico City because we had to, we had to get special permission to be there and blah, 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 and preach and stuff. It's illegal to be a missionary in Mexico. And so... Uh, Brother Wayne walked in uh, one day. We were, he let us stay in his guest room. And, uh, and he took a little old offering envelope. Remember, y'all ever go to churches where they had that little tiny envelope in the pew in front of you? Little bitty. I guess they weren't expecting much. <laughs> and we need an envelope like that, you know. But, uh, but, but, I mean, they had these little old bitty tiny envelopes, about, like about, that, about that tall and about that wide. And, uh, and Brother Wayne reached in his pocket and pulled one out and gave it to me. And inside was Mexican pesos with the American equivalent was $17. And, uh, and he said, son, I've given many missionary an offering with the instructions, go home. You don't belong here. You're going to die here. You're not called here. You have the burden for missions in Mexico, but you don't have the call. And the devil will kill you. So you need to go home. He said, but I'm giving you this offering and telling you I believe God sent you here. And I believe God's going to use you. And I believe God's going to do something with you. And uh, now he denies today that he ever said that, but he said it. Either he said it or an angel said it, because I tell you, this, this young green missionary, fresh out of the United States Army and fresh into Mexico, with me and Jackie and a Bible and a baby and 50 bucks, and no partners, no newsletter, no money, no, I mean nothing. No car, no bank account, I mean nothing. I mean, either God shows up or we die. And when that man of God said that to me it was like God talking I, I said you see that you see that God could do something with me I think that's the first time anybody said that to me <laughs> you know I mean you see that I might be used of God you, you can see that God's going to use me it's like God talking to me it's veteran missionary statesman and so uh, I have sent Wayne an offering every Friday of the world Forever. I mean, every Friday of the world. Every time I hire a new staff member that deals with our money, I say, now, every Friday of the world, you get this check to Wayne Myers. You don't. You're fired right now. This is your, this is your notice for firing. I, I mean, every Friday, every Friday, every Friday, every Friday. And so we've done that for decades, decades. And Renee and I have been married almost nine years. And of course, we're still not married. She knew that because she's known me forever. She and Dean and Jackie and I were best friends for 40 years. And so they knew all about Wayne Myers, know all about I gave him money every Friday. 
And I give him money other times too, but every Friday the office cuts him a check. And, uh, and so uh, uh, we were down there last year, I guess, at his 100th birthday. And he and Renee were sitting there on the patio talking. And, and he told her, he said, you know, Terry's been with me the longest of all my partners. Terry's our biggest giver. He's always, he told me for years, well, at the end of the year again this year, and you were our biggest giver again. I always say, well, Doc, I'm so sorry. Because I, I, I wish somebody would come on and give you millions of dollars. I wish somebody would come on and give you a lot more than I give you. And I said, and mine goes up every year. Yeah. It's not ever going to be a year it goes down. It's going to always go up. But, uh, but he told her, he said, Terry's been with me the longest. And uh, then I was preaching. He was listening to me preach. He leaned over Renee, and he said, Terry never disappoints. He always comes through with that apostolic ministry. And we've just had that close father-son type thing. And, uh, and I've told him so many times over the years, and I think last year when he told her that, I said, W.W., his name's William Wayne. I said, W.W., that $17 investment you made back in 19... 70, 71, 70 something. I said, that's the best investment you ever made in your life. I said, because of that $17, and you telling me that God wanted me here, I've been all over the world. I've won, who knows, countless millions of people to Jesus. Had more blind eyes open I could possibly count, more deaf ears open I could possibly count. Had dead raised, had crippled walk, had <laughs> cast out devils after devils after devils after devils, trained pastors, taught pastors, you know. And I said, besides that, I give you an offering every Friday. And that's a be- that's a best seventeen dollar investment you ever made in your life. <laughs> so you never know where you're offering, what your offering is going to do. But that seventeen dollar investment has turned into some big dollars, big dollars. In fact, last year when we went, I told Renee, I said, you know, we're going to Wayne's 100th birthday. I said, I'd like to give him $5,000 cash. And I said, uh, I don't know, you know, I've got to do that legally. I've got to do it to make the IRS happy. And uh, I said, so I, I said, I think what I, because normally we just send him a check and he has a, he has a bank account and blah, 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 that goes into the ministry. I said, I don't want to do that. I just want to give him cash. I just want him to spend it however he wants to. And I've done that for years. I've given him or Martha. Miss Martha went home to be with the Lord two years ago. But I'd walk up to her over the t- years many times, hand her a couple thousand dollars, say, don't tell, don't tell Wayne about this. Just spend this on your grandkids or your great-grandkids or any way you want to. You know. But anyway, so I, I, I called my CPA. He's over here in Miami. And I called my CPA and said, I want to send Wayne, Brother Wayne, I want to take him 5000 cash. And I said, I'm assuming I need to take that as salary for me and then pay taxes on it. Yeah, that's what you need to do. And I said, okay, so there's no, there's no tax deduction. There's no none of this stuff, you know. So I took it down there last year and, and, and gave it to him. And when we got there last year in his house, the, the folks downstairs said, Brother Wayne's been waiting on y'all to get here. He said, he's upstairs laying down, but he wants to see you right now. So Randy and I went upstairs to his bedroom, and he's laying there taking a nap, fully clothed, laying there like, you know, look like he had a suit and tie, and, you know, because <laughs> uh, he'd been downstairs earlier. And as soon as we walked in, I said, hey, W.W., we're here. And he said, come here, son, sit down. So I walked over to the bed and pulled up a chair and sat down. Renee pulled up a chair and sat down. 
He said, he said, Curly, he said, uh, I want to raise 70, I want you to help me raise $75,000 and build a church in Turkey. That was my greeting. That was, that was my hello. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, if that's what you want, that's what we're going to do. Because if he hollers froggy, I'm going to say how high, I'll jump. And because uh, that's what you do with spiritual fathers. Amen. I see the disrespect in the church today for spiritual fathers or for pastors, and it just breaks my heart. You know, I, you know, Hugh Ellen, I've been married twice, and I was in the military, so I can follow orders. <laughs> in fact, I got both of my wives' books on the book table. Not many preachers can tell you that. And uh, <laughs> military command, spiritual authority. That's how they come that Roman soldier figured out Jesus could heal his servant by just speaking because he, he is a military man. And he said, I got, I've been watching you. I got you figured out. Jesus said, well, I'll come heal him. I'll come to your house. He said, no, you don't have to do that. I've been watching you. I figured this out. He said, because I am a man under authority. See, he never said I'm a man in authority. And he never said Jesus is in authority. He said, I, I get where you get your authority from. I get it. He said, because I'm a man under authority. Because you can't be in authority unless you're under authority. And he said, and I say to this soldier, go, and he goes. He didn't have a choice. And I say to this soldier, come, and he comes, and he didn't have a choice. And I say to my servant, doeth this, and he doeth it. He said, so all you have, I've been watching you. You've been healing blind eyes and deaf ears and casting out devils and all that stuff. He said, because when... Because you're a man under authority. When you speak, it's like God speaking. That's your backup. That's your authority. He said, when I speak and give orders, it's like Caesar in Rome is speaking. I'm backed up by Caesar. When these soldiers disobeys me, he'll die. Because, not because of me, because of Caesar. And so he saw that in Jesus. You, I, I see how you're running these devils off and healing these people because you, you're a man under authority. So, so don't, don't even bother going to my house. Just speak the word. Just give the order. Just give the command. Issue, issue the order and, and my servant will be healed. There's no, there's, no, there's no question about it. But see, we need to have that kind of faith and understand what, what that authority is about. We come in church today and just act like we can do as we please. Well, Pastor, I know what the Bible says. I know more than you. Well, Pastor, I went to Bible school. Pastor, I did this. Well, Pastor, I've been this. Pastor, I've been serving God 30, 40 years. Well, Korah had that same idea. Korah can't got him a whole bunch of followers. What was it, 3,000? I'll have to go check that out. I could be wrong on that. And... Uh, came to Moses and said, hey, you're not the only man of God around here. We're, we're men of God, too. We hear from God. And Moses said, uh, this is not going to end well. And the ground opened up and swallowed Korah, all his followers, and all their families. I mean, they're gone. 
Saul said to, Saul said to Samuel, said, I, I, you, you weren't here. I need to get blessed and go to war. And you weren't here, so I just had a church service and blessed myself. Because after all, after all, you poured the oil over my head. I'm anointed just like you are. They poured the oil over your head to anoint you prophet. You poured the oil over my head to anoint me king. I'm anointed too. Samuel said, you, you know, you're not. You're just the king. <laughs> you're just the king. You're not running things. And because of what you've done, you're a dead man. And your son Jonathan's a dead man. And God's taken the kingdom away from you. And see, we still ought to have that kind of respect and authority in the church. I've said for decades, the church is the only place where people are so stupid and so ignorant and so goofy that uh, they think they know as much as the head guy. And I said, you know, you don't see that in business. You don't ever see a, 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 a neurosurgeon in surgery just, just operating on somebody's brain and his wife stops by and comes in and says, honey, I'll take over now. I was going to go shopping, but I'll, I'll do this. No. I've always said, do you ever notice that I think Tulsa started, I'm almost positive Tulsa started this, but Tulsa started calling uh, the pastor's wife pastor, and she may, be, she may have an anointing on her for that. Some people do, Nid does. Uh, but some are just are, are, are the wives, then they're not the pastor. In other, in other words, if the pastor died, she'd just leave and go do something else. You know, my wife would have done that, Jackie. Had, had I died, and she's a good, godly person and loved God, and, and people everywhere love her and respect her because of her supernatural childbirth, and she's they've had lots, she's helped lots of women have, I mean, thousands of babies we still get letters every week and testimonies every week about somebody couldn't have a baby and they read jackie's book and they got a baby and uh but tulsa started just calling you know pastor you know Susie and bobby and i said you don't know no other profession does that Now see, now, see, if I died, Renee would just stay in the ministry. She's anointed and called into the ministry. So she wouldn't miss a lick. You know, Jackie wasn't. Jackie wanted to be my wife and those kids' mama and those grandbabies' grandma and uh, wanted to go to church, but she didn't want to speak. Y'all know that. Man, she tried to get her to speak so much. Once in a blue moon, she would. Renee could usually get her to speak because we were such good friends. But, but boy, she was nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof whenever she did. It's always good, and I'd tell her why. I'd say it's because you're an exhorter. You're not a teacher, and you're trying to teach. Man, when you ask her to preach, she wouldn't even sit at a desk. She'd sit on the floor, and she'd have 18 translations of Bibles, and she'd have notes everywhere. I never use them when she got up to speak. I finally got to where I'd just write her, I'd write her a little index card with bullet points on it. And, and usually she'd use those, and sometimes she wouldn't, because because she was an exhorter. She could she could stand up and start talking to you. Man, it was anointed. You know, you felt like she's your mama, or she, she's your grandma. You know, and she loved people and loved. But I kept telling her, quit trying to preach. God didn't call you to do three points in a poem. God didn't call you to, you know, do some elaborate sermon. He just you just get up and talk to the people. Get up and tell them how to live on planet Earth. How to have babies, how to raise their kids, how to, how to 
you know. She raised a baby from the dead one time, a little kid from the dead. When we, we was in the military, in the Army, I came home, and she, there's a crowd out there, and Anne was out there, and, and the kid had died out there, and she went out there and raised him from the dead. But I never heard her tell anybody that story ever. But, but, but I said, you know, Tulsa started that, and your pastors, you know, Mary and John. Uh, but... And, and when you talk to preachers' wives, they say, they say, my office, my secretary. And I said, you know, doctors don't do that. Doctors' wives will say, my husband's secretary. Or a businessman will say, you should say, my husband's secretary, my husband's office. Isn't that right? But we, we get these ideas in church that, well, I, I know as much as everybody else. Well, you may know a lot, but... The difference is the calling. The calling, the appointing, the anointing. Totally different. Amen? Some little, some, some little kid may have an anointing on him and get him free. You know, and he, he didn't know near what you'd know just because you've been living on earth longer, been in church longer, been reading the Bible longer. But anyway, I don't know why I can't get off of this. But I, I, this, had, I had, this had nothing to do with anything I intended to do tonight. But Wayne wrote me this, this email today, and he said, Terry, he said, uh, uh, y'all, you're, you're helping so many more people now than I am. And he said, you're just helping people everywhere. I'm amazed at how you're, the stamina and blah, 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 blah. And you and Renee go around the world and do all this stuff. And he said, uh, I'm sure not able to do what I used to do. He said, I'm still helping people. He said, I'm still helping uh, pastor's wives that, that when the pastor, he said, you know, when a pastor dies in Mexico, he said, they just, they just forget her wife, his wife. He said, she just has to, you know, sometimes go into poverty and, and uh, nobody takes care of her, nobody does anything for her. And, uh, and, and, that's a, and so he helps them. And then he helps orphans, and he helps a lot of people, and he helps lots of pastors, train lots of people. I mean, he's made a mark. He has changed history. But anyway, he said today, he said, and I'm still helping. And he said, but, but I'm going to send you an offering. He said, I, I'm, just, I'm just so proud of what you and Renee are doing. I'm going to send you an offering. And he said this. He said, now, now, when I get to where I can't help the poor anymore, then I'm going home. He's just here living to give. He's just here because he can still help people. And he said, if I get to the, when I get to the point I can't help the poor anymore, I'm done. And I thought, well, you, you know, you're 101. I mean, you've got to be done sometime. Isn't that right? I mean, by biblical standards, he's got 19 more years. <laughs> but he said, he said, if I get to where I can't help the poor anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm going home. And, you know, that ought to be the way we live. Is if I'm, I'm here to live and to give. I'm here to help God. I'm here to help people. I'm here to, I'm here to make a difference. You know, I'm not here to make a name. I'm here to make a difference. Amen. Now what am I going to do? Am I going to call you up here and then I'm going to preach after that? You got something? I shouldn't say you have something to say. That's ridiculous. Uh, you have something you think God wants you to say? I, I, yeah, sure. 
Give her, give the woman a microphone. Uh, I'll just, I'll just add on here a couple of things here with Terry because uh, that letter, email that uh, Wayne's daughter has been a pastor in Spain, Madrid, Spain, for, for years, 30, decades, yeah, 35 decades. years herself, and uh, many years ago, the husband she was married to. Uh, they met at Christ for the Nations and, and yeah, got married and then went to ministry and went to Spain, started church. Christian man. Uh, left her for an old girlfriend in Madrid, and she kept on with no, her an children. No, an old girlfriend in Mississippi. In Mississippi. <laughs> they were living in Madrid. And they when were they started, before the days of Facebook, there was a MySpace. Yeah. And he found an old girlfriend on MySpace. And that evil spirit it got him off, and he left her and the children in mm. Madrid. He just walked in and said, you know, we're just here to do missions and serve God. And he said, I don't think I believe in missions and God anymore, so therefore I don't want you and don't want the kids, so I'm leaving. You know, when, when something like that happens to somebody, um, that stops the flow of the blessing of God for them to be able to function out of the principles of the kingdom of God. And so Rebecca, his Wayne's daughter, one of his two daughters, she had to hold on to the horns of the altar, as we say in Pentecost. That's, do y'all understand that phrase? You know, uh, the horns of the altar were those big things, and, and they had sanctuary cities in the Old Covenant that if you could get to that city, to the house of God, and grab hold, even if you were guilty, a murderer, if you could get to that city and grab hold of the horns of the altar, they couldn't kill you. Because you had grabbed hold of the mercy of God. Isn't that amazing? And one of those old Pentecostal sayings is, we're going to grab hold of the horns of the altar and we're going to pray this through. Um, that kind of prayer, which Rebecca has always functioned in, uh, is what got her through and her family and her faith. Uh, abandoned in a third world country, and even, even though it was in Europe, you know, there. Uh, oh, Spain's one of the hardest places yeah, in the world to preach. Even the Pope said. There's more, there's more ruins in Spain than there are churches. And even the Pope said Spain was in need of re-evangelization. So here she is over there. And uh, she has been a tremendous assistant uh, since her mother, Martha, passed away now two years ago. And Rebecca has gone back and forth. And she's probably in her late 50s, early 60s now. And she has gone back and forth and um, has been helping Wayne there in Mexico City. And then she has uh, turned over her church in Madrid to her daughter and son-in-law. And she's been doing work in Turkey. That's why we're building a church in Turkey. And uh, so... Oh, I didn't finish my story, did I? Yeah, you didn't. So that's, that's why I'm up here. So um, when then Turkey had all the earthquakes, and so they got the money over there. Turkey will allow you to have a church and not harass you if you buy property and a home. You can't build a church. But you can buy a home. You have and a home it has church. to be seventy-five thousand or more. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Then Wayne wanted to build 
you know, he wants to build six more in the seven churches of Asia that are in the, in the book of Revelation. So we're, you know, we're, we're talking with people over there and helping Rebecca. But Rebecca has come back to help Wayne. Is going to be there for a month now to, o over his birthday. And, uh, you know, God just has to work for everybody wherever you are in life. I don't mean that God has to. I mean, God is able to when we believe him. Isn't that right? And he will take whatever you hand him. The broken, you know, that song Gloria Gaither used to say, sing about we hand, you know, we give to the Lord the, the broken pieces of our lives. And then he puts it all back together and helps us recover from the snares of the enemy. And uh, from the, our, you know, life is just choices. It's just a series of choices. You make a lot of good choices. You have a lot of good things happen most of the time. You make a series of bad choices, it may take you years to recover, you know. But thank God you will recover. Isn't that right? Thank God the Lord will help you recover. But the, the anointing has been on Wayne to give to the poor, to give to widows, to help ministers and pastors and leaders that fall into hard times. Well, you he's know? just always been the greatest giver I've ever known. Yeah. A faith missionary. I mean, a faith missionary. Just... Just in Mexico, living by faith. The year before COVID, this will give you something to stretch your faith for. The year before COVID, Wayne handed Terry and I, when we got there, the list of all the people they were giving to, missionaries in Thailand, missionaries over here, missionaries in, in uh, all over Asia, missionaries all over South America, and they were helping them. And he said, and by the way, I gave away 15 cars this year. And... Uh, he was teaching other people, uh, maybe Terry will tell you sometime, he was teaching other people how to believe God for cars to give away. Cars to give away, not cars to own, cars to give away. And because um, he has a whopper of a story, you know, and all these things that, that, that Terry has been teaching and preaching and doing for all these years that Dean and I had never heard any of that when we first met he and Jackie in 1974 at the Lakewood Missions Convention over the Thanksgiving holidays. Brother Osteen had always done a Thanksgiving Missions Convention all those years. I grew up in a church in Louisiana, that Pentecostal church, that always did a Thanksgiving Missions Convention. And so it was just that when I married into, I always said I married into Lakewood, I just moved my geography <laughs> from Louisiana to Texas and the missions convention was the highlight. William Branham came and did our missions conference. And we had Gordon Lindsay, and we had T.L. Osborne, and we had all these wonderful people from another era, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, come and teach us on missions and the giving side of it and the miracle side. So it, missions was always in my mind, missions and miracles all were together. And then the financial miracles that went along with it that I would see God give, move on people within the church to give for certain project giving. Our church was great project giving, but our pastor didn't teach a lot on tithing or giving. He just had projects. He was a businessman, never took a salary from the church, and he never even talked about money. He just figured, well, if they don't pay for it, I will. You know, and so he which, he, is, which is wrong. He did us. It's in my book out there. He almost did us a disservice because we didn't know uh, growing up about tithing so much or about giving so much because the the wealthier people or the or people that 
that just would give, you know, $1,000 or something every now and then, and they would, they would take care of whatever project there was, or if a missionary came, you know, that kind of thing. But the average people like my family, we didn't know any of the promises of God about giving and finances and tithing and sowing and reaping. Nobody ever taught a word about that. Not one word. And we had, in that church, we had everything we needed. And it was just, the, and, and we had the most powerful Holy Ghost anointed services to where as an eight-year-old child, when I got the Holy Ghost, I never wanted to ever miss a single service. I knew if I stayed home and watched Disney, they'd have the best service they'd ever had. I knew if I stayed home and watched Disneyland and Tinkerbell and the Hardy Boys and all of those things that were going on and, or, or, you know, whatever they were going to show that night, I would miss the best service they'd ever had. And I remember giving up Disneyland to go to church and going, okay, I'm not going to watch the wonderful world of Disney. I'm going to go to church with Mother because she had to go an hour early for choir practice. And so I had to miss Lassie. I had to miss it all to get to church, you know. And uh, I made that sacrifice as a child because I was hungry for the Holy Ghost, you know. And, but it took me going through three years of Bible college, which was a very Pentecostal school and very poverty-minded, uh, to really get hold of living to give. And when Dean and I, uh, we were on staff there at Lakewood then, when we heard Terry get up and mention that phrase and talk about that, then we became friends and we heard him. It does, it just makes me want to just slap him and say, that was so good, you know? It was just so good because of the truth. I've got the scars to prove it. Because of the truth the truth that God is unwilling to do without anybody that'll give for him. You read that in 2 Corinthians 9. If God can find somebody that'll give for him and do it happy and do it quick, you, that's job security. I mean, literally, that's job security. And I have found out the joy of giving like that is just, it's really, I mean, it, there, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's just hilariously giving and giving, and loving, and sowing, and, and you know, Terry will give little kids money, he'll give, he'll give different people money, we, we, waitresses, like Wayne, he's learned from Wayne, you don't give tips, you give offerings, you know, and, and we do, and, and sometimes it's not because we have it, it's not, you know, we think, man, we could use this, you know, or we could use that, or this is all the cash we have till we get over to this next town, or something like that, you know, um, we're, we're believing God just like everybody else is, you know? We're believing God just like everybody else is. And, and God has blessed us to give to widows and orphans and uh, humanitarian aid and uh, the administrative side of it. You know, people forget the workers in these orphanages. And we've got about three orphanages right now that are desperate for workers, if somebody can just go for a year, you know, if you've got somebody that knows somebody that, that wants to go to India, that wants to go to Mexico, <laughs> that wants to go, you know, these, they, they are desperate for qualified workers. We have a, an orphanage in India that is a special needs orphanage, and sh this lady that runs it 
was a, uh, she worked for the Child Protection Services there in the state of Texas and was an alcoholic. Got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost over at Ben Priest Church and felt the call to go help children in India. And she's been over there now 13 years and, and all through COVID and has taken in so many parents died and they had to take in babies and the Indian government actually works with her instead of antagonizing her and harassing her. To take, she takes special needs, medically fragile, and abused children. That's all she has in that home. Two, two years ago, one of her staff members stole her vehicle and left. And so we bought her a new vehicle and y'all helped us. We took your money, y'all helped us do that. I mean, it was Brand just- Brand new vehicle. She, because she had. they got to take those kids to the doctor, you know. She, she was having to hire taxis to take the children to their uh, treatments appointments. And so they never knew when they'd come. <laughs> they'd never know when they'd bring them back, you know. I mean, it's just awful. And yet she's over there by herself working. And her mother just died about two months, two, maybe, maybe three weeks ago. And um, we have tried to do everything we can to help all these different people. So um, I feel like our job is, is so valuable in the kingdom of God and that when, when folks bless us, they bless this. When they bless Terry Mimes Ministries, it, it's going to help us pay all the expenses and all the things that we need, you know, administrative side, all the stuff that we have to do for this, and all the fees that there are in transferring all that money around the world. And, uh, you know, uh, everything that, that Wayne said today in this email was such a tribute to what Terry and Jackie began through JMICF years ago. And Wayne's saying, you know, now since Martha has died, and then other people, other pastors, Mexico had a thousand, uh, they told us a thousand pastors died from COVID in Mexico. That they knew. That they knew of. No, that they personally knew. And <laughs> some, some pastors, you know, this makes my needs so small. This makes my needs so small. When I don't I look get scared. We're not taking up an offering. We're just, <laughs> um, it sounds like it. You know, we just want you to know that, that what we're all doing for the kingdom of God, because those that stick by the stuff get the same reward. Isn't that amazing? Yes. You know, ha half, half of heaven must be accounting. Because, I mean, just think about that. Half of heaven must be accounting because they count the hairs on your head. They count, they count, they, they, they say, we will give an account. Look, look up how many times that word is in the Bible. We're going to give an account for the words out of our mouth. You know, uh, he, he talks about your steps are ordered of the Lord. And one translation says, and he busies him, the Lord busies himself with our every step, you know. I mean, God is so committed to us. And, and then heaven talks about lay up your treasure in heaven. You know, you'll receive a hundred times re reward with that. You'll get back your money um, that you give to the poor. He, the Lord will repay, Proverbs says. He that lendeth to the Lord. He that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord, and the Lord will repay. And then if it gets stolen from you, God's keeping track. They're gonna, he's going to make it come back to you seven times. I mean, think about all the accounting that's going on all day long for every single Christian. Our days are numbered, you know. The birds, I mean, the birds are numbered. 
I mean, all of these things in the Bible, heaven has got, heaven's just, there's just got to be so busy. I just keep trying to be bug-eyed and see all that, you know, <laughs> because they're, they're, they're just, it's just a phenomenal astronomical numbers that they're dealing with all day long. And then it comes along and says some scripture like, you, you know that scripture, you use it all the time, where it says that God calls the stars by name. I want to say he calls the stars by flipping name. You know, he just, I can't believe, this is just something that boggles the mind, that his mind is so unsearchable, like the scripture says, that he's keeping track of everything that we're doing. I mean, I, cast your care over on the Lord. <laughs> cast your care over on the Lord and know that he's going to meet every need. Ter Terry and I were, we're, in, we're in the room this afternoon. And we were watching our, our podcast. We hadn't said a word about our podcast, but y'all go over and watch our, our TV show on YouTube. I mean, because we're just teaching. We, we sat there and thought, this is really good. This is going to help people, you know. And we are teaching, pulling down strongholds and living to give and, and going to the world. I mean, it, it is, it, people tell us all the time, it's like sitting in our living room with us, you know. And we're just talking to them and teaching them the word of God. So you just go to Terry Mize Ministries on YouTube and hit the little bell up there. And, and uh, YouTube will think we're famous. Hey, if... if and, and subscribe. And subscribe. It's free. Um, the cooking show we like to watch is called Hillbilly Kitchen. <laughs> you, you, you need to sit down. What? You need to sit down. I don't see any stopping place for you here, sir. But... But she started out with 150 views, and now she's got 75 million. And, you know, I'm just being, hang on just a second, just one more thing. I just want to tell y'all, I mean, God's trying to cover the earth with his word, and he's trying to stir the church up to where we won't be passive and, and ignore. You said this Sunday about we can't let, we can't let these things get away from us. Well, Hebrews 2 says we can't, let, we can't let these things drift past us. We can't let these things drift past us. You need to go home and buy yourself a pair of pom-poms and just start dancing around your house to stir yourself up, praising God, and realize how valuable your life is. Everything you do counts for the kingdom of God. It's time for all hands on deck. All, everybody say, all hands on deck. I mean, I'm telling you, every prayer counts, every offering counts, every time you show up it counts, every word counts, everything counts nowadays. We can't afford to act like, well, I'm just going to live my life and I don't, make, I, you know, I don't make that much money and I don't, I'm telling you, go into the prayer business, buy you some maps, get a globe, start commanding, I mean, start declaring, get pictures of people you're praying for, serve God with a whole heart. And get involved with it and let the fire of the Holy Ghost just, I mean, burn out everything that doesn't need to be there. <clears throat> Y'all don't count that 30 minutes to my preaching time. <laughs> you know, I've talked to you uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and tonight and, uh, about living to give. And uh, last night I... I, I veered off of it somewhat but uh, it's the reason I talk about it and think about it so much is because it's just such a lifestyle yes. 
that changed my life. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of missionaries have gone on the field long before I was born. And, uh, and I was taught, I had a good church that supported missions, and every missionary that came through there was poor, you know, and sick. And the wife was sick, and the kids were sick, and the missionary was sick, and then they had to beg for money. Then they had to go to the next church and beg for money, go to the next church and beg for money. Right. And, uh, and when I met Brother Wayne and saw what he was doing, yeah. um, and I told Jackie that that very first time when he gave me that $17, I said, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to adopt this lifestyle. We're going to do what he's doing. I said, this is a family, three teenage kids. This is a family that, uh, I said, when these kids leave for breakfast, leave for school in the morning after breakfast, after I had Jesus for sitting with them for breakfast, and I said, we're going we're gonna to embrace this living to give stuff. And uh, we, we held hands and made a vow before God right then and said, we're, we're, we're going to start giving and giving, that we're here to give. We have, that's, that's our purpose for being on planet Earth is to bless and to help and to love and to lift and to care and to share and to embrace. And uh, we're, that's what we're going to do. And I said to the Lord, I said, and we'll never be broke. We will not be broke. I work for God's son and company, and I expect them to pay me quite well. And as cost of living goes up, I expect them to raise my, raise my money. And, uh, and we, we don't ever tell our needs to anybody. We, we've never begged. We've never pleaded. We've never said, you know, please, please help. Now, the only time I've ever raised, I've never raised an offering myself in 55 years of ministry for my, or from my ministry. Now, I have raised offerings for orphans. And I have raised offerings for pastors when I'm doing a pastor's conference, you know, and I'm teaching, training pastors around the world, and I'm feeding them, and I'm putting them in a hotel, and it's cost me forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to do that. Then I, I tell a lot of my pastor friends, I say, our budget's going to be $50,000 if we feel they'd get involved in this, but to help these pastors, or, or I do the same thing for orphans, you know, we're going to try, we, we want to give the orphans a good Christmas, so uh, just, I've, I've, every year for about, about the last, what, seven or eight years? Uh, I've sent Bob a text before Christmas. Said, just ask the people to give a dollar. Don't put pressure on them. Don't don't push them. Don't make a big deal. Just ask them they'll give a dollar a piece, you know. And, and I send that out to a bunch of different pastors. And I tell you, the money just comes in and comes in and comes in. And uh, and so we've been able to. It's, it's more every year. And as Renee said last night, it's it's been more. The first year of COVID, it was more than the year before that. And the next year was better than that. And the next year was better than that. And this last year of twenty. Christmas of 22 was our best year ever, uh, right in the middle of the, you know, the pandemic or pandemic or whatever you want to call it. But Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says, God says, give a portion to seven. Give to seven people. And also to eight. Because you don't know the dangers, the mystery, the problems, the traps that are out there. Well, it sounds like double talk. It's hard for people to even understand that scripture. Give a portion to seven and also to eight because you don't know what's out there. Well, what does that mean? It means that God knows that if you'll give, you'll get a harvest, and you don't know how much you're going to need this next month or week or year or whatever. So he says, you better start giving and go ahead and give to seven. In fact, go ahead and give to eight because then that would be another harvest. That would be a bigger harvest, and you don't know what trouble's out there. Right? Right? Because you don't know what evil uh, is, is going to be lurking around. And so you, you pad yourself. You protect yourself. You're, it's insurance. It's assurance. Right? And so I just think it's amazing all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament that God talks to us about money. And I'm always amazed, Bob, that he didn't have to do that. I tell him all the time, Renee can tell you, she hears me praying, and I say, 
I said, Father, I just think it is the coolest thing that you said way back, way back in Malachi. You know that if we bring our tithe into the storehouse and our offerings, he went on and included offerings. On that. He said, you said if we'd do that, you would write a book of remembrance about us. You would rebuke the devourer for us. Did your washing machine break down lately? That devoured your money. Did your, your, your dishwasher break down? Devoured. Your car break down? Devoured. He's out there to devour. The devourer is out there to devour. And so you can have what we call tithers' rights and say, Lord, you said if I bring my tithe into the storehouse and my offerings, then you will personally, you, God, Jehovah, will rebuke the devourer for my sake. You'll stand up and say, get off that dishwasher. Leave that washing machine alone. Don't, you're not breaking down their car, right? Because he rebukes the devourer. He writes a book of remembrance about you, how great you are. He rebukes the devourer. It says, your vine will not cast its fruit before the time in the field. So there's no, no abortions or miscarriages. Right? Jackie and I put that in her book and said, if you're a tither, then, then you shouldn't have a miscarriage. And if you're a tither, you won't even have a preemie. Because it says, your vine will not cast its fruit before the time in the field. So, you know, if your baby's due in August, you're not going to have a June baby. Right? I mean, that's tither's rights. He said, and... I'll personally open the window of heaven and pour blessings out on you. They don't even have room to receive. You have to say, Lord, that's enough. Now, just stop and think about that. That's not some preacher trying to get money. That's not some TV preacher trying to pay for his television program. That's not some, some, some pastor trying to build a new building. That's God giving you an inside track to get finances and protection and blessing. He didn't have to say that, you know. He didn't have to say that. And then just all through the Old Testament, it tells you how to get money, how to get money, how to get money, how to get money. He said, God gives you the power to get wealth. Really? Wow. And, and then Jesus goes, picks it right on up. And he's talking to him one day in, in what we call Matthew chapter 6. And he's talking to him one day and says, hey, guys, give. And it'll be given you again, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The same measure you meet with all will be measured you again. He didn't have to say that. What, what benefit was it? He's not trying to raise money for him. He's trying to tell them how to, for them to get money. That's right. Amen. And then Jesus said in Mark 10, 29, 30, and, and the church doesn't even believe, the preachers don't believe this. But Jesus said it. He said, Jesus said, whatever you give for my sake, Jesus' sake, and the gospel's sake, you'll receive now in this life a hundredfold and eternal life in the life to come. He didn't have to say that in it. I just think it's so cool that Jesus said that. And we said, hey, I don't believe that. Well, don't worry about it. It won't work for you. And I know churches that don't believe it. I know pastors that don't believe it. One of my greatest spiritual fathers doesn't believe it. Or didn't believe it. He's dead now. I guess he believes it now. <laughs> and I went and talked to him about it one time. And I said, sir. I mean, if I said who it was, 
Bob knows who it is. I've told him the story, but if and it, uh, but if I told you who it was, you'd all just drop your jaw, you know. And you've all got his tapes and books at your house, and probably send him money. Good guy, wonderful guy, one of my spiritual fathers. And I said, sir, I'd wash your feet. I respect you. I honor you. You've been my mentor and spiritual father since I was just a teenager. And I said, I am not arguing with you. I am not being sarcastic with you. I'm not being disrespectful to you. But I have a, I have a question. And I just want you to answer the question. And, I'm, and, and whatever you say, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not being smart aleck. I'm not being arrogant. I, I, just, I need an answer to the question. He said, what is it, Barry? And I said, well, you don't believe in the hundredfold return. He said, no, I don't. And I said, well, I know you don't. And I said, what I want to know is why. Jesus said it. I mean, Jesus said it. <laughs> right? That's what just boggles my brain. Jesus said it, and you don't believe it? I wasn't yelling him like that, but I mean, I said, sir, <laughs> Jesus said it. I don't get why you don't believe it. He said, well, Terry, he said, I've kept meticulous records all my life, and I've never received the hundredfold return. And I said, seriously? That's it? That's why you don't believe it? I said, you didn't teach us that about healing. You didn't say, well, you believe for healing, but if you die of cancer, then, then don't believe it anymore. It's not right. You're our example. I said, I love you. You're my spiritual father. I'd wash your feet. But you're not my example. Jesus is my example. Je Jesus said it. And yet the reason you don't believe it is because it hasn't worked for you. I said, you know, I've watched people give you million-dollar offerings. I've watched people give you airplanes. I've watched people give you buses. I've watched people build buildings for you. I've watched people do all kinds of stuff. Surely you've gotten a hundredfold return there somewhere. He said, nope. Never have. And I said, well, the last thing I can say to that is that you're still living. And Jesus said, now in this life. So, so you still got time. As <laughs> long as you're living, it is still coming. But, I mean, Morgan, Jesus said it. I can't help but not believe it. Even though my spiritual father says, nope, I don't believe it. Well, I love you dearly, but I can't help it. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with Jesus on this one. Amen. And I'm not saying that for you to give me money. I'm saying that so I know how to get money. I know how to get money. I know how, I know how the law of sowing and reaping works. That if I plant a seed, it doesn't matter what y'all do. If I plant a seed, I'm going to get a harvest. So it's on me. Amen. When I was a young, just starting minister, missionary, I'd, I'd tell church congregation, i say, I know that a lot of people look at missionaries to see if they have a need or not, or were they dressed right, do they have shoes, do they have a car. You know, I don't see that they have a need. If I see a need, I'll, 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 I'll help them. I say, if, if, you're, if you're wanting to be the person that gives the money to, to save this missionary from starving to death, then just keep it because God's not going to let me starve to death. God's going to take care of me no matter whether you give or not. Some people go, oh, and pastors I'm preaching for, don't say that. I can't believe you said that. I said, well, I'll say it again. 
God is my source. Jesus is my source. I'm giving a portion of seven and also to eight because I don't know what kind of evil's out there. I don't know what's lurking around the corner. You know, when COVID started, Renee and I was in Miami Beach about to, about to do a meeting with Brother Copeland and Jesse Savelle, uh, J- Jerry Savelle and Jesse Duplantis and uh, Bill Winston and a uh, great church. We, every year that has this big conference, and we're there every year, and they're there every year. And, and uh, we're just about to start. The, uh, it was about to start, so uh, COVID hit. Bam. And so uh, Brother Copeland wrote him and said, well, we're canceling the meeting. And Jesse wrote him and said, we're canceling the meeting. And Jerry wrote him and said, we're canceling the meeting. And Bill wrote him and said, we're canceling the meeting. And they wrote and said, they're canceling the meeting. And so I said, well, great, okay. And then they called me and said, we want you to come anyway. And I said, okay, we'll come anyway. We didn't know anything about COVID. I mean, it was just, just sneaking, just, just the inkling of it. But uh, Miami had already told them they couldn't, you know, have a meeting. And... Uh, so they got there, and they put us in a lovely hotel on the beach like they always do. And, and, uh, and I've been going there for decades. And I got up the next morning and went through the windows open, you know, to uh, look at the ocean and, and, and the view and pray and read my Bible. And, and, and I, I looked, and I said, Renee, come here. Renee, come here. She comes out of the other room, and she said, what, what? I said, look, there's no people. <laughs> I said, I've been coming to Miami for 30-something years. I've never seen this beach with no people. There's no people. And there's no boats in the water. Because that stupid mayor of Miami had actually shut down all the boat ramps. You couldn't put your boat in the water. And I said, how much more social distance could I be if I was in a boat in the ocean fishing? You can't get any more social distance than that. It's just stupid. And so I told her, I said, you know what, right now, we need to fix this. I said, right now, we, I said, we, we've got lots of money laid up, lots of seed laid up, lots of harvest coming in. But I said, we need to, right now, right today, get on this thing. So we just held hands and prayed and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're not going to miss a lick. We're, we're going to preach. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to have miracles. We're going to go act as normal, go on as normal. And we're not affected by this. We're not affected by this COVID. And our partners aren't going to be affected by this. And, and we just prayed and said, well, you know, we're, we're just, we're just not, not doing that. And, and I, I said to her, I said, you know, we're going to increase our giving. I said, we need, we need to start picking up on giving, giving more. We're already giving a bunch. And she said, well, I know, what, I know an orphanage right now in Mexico. We need to send $2,000. I said, well, let's do it right now. Just send it. You know? I mean, the first thing we're thinking, if they're saying we're cutting off your money, we're thinking we've got to give. Not we got to hoard, we got to save. It's no, no, no. We got to give, so we're putting seed in the ground, because we don't know what evil's out there. So we better make sure we're giving a portion of seven, even to eight, just in case another pandemic's around the corner. That we're going to make it, whether anybody does or not. And we said, we said to each other, we said, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna really pick up on our, on our tips too. We're great tippers anyway. And uh, but, but. People that live by tips are going to be in trouble. They're going to be in serious trouble. So we're going to pick up. And so, so the pastor had us come and do a, the, their very first virtual meeting. You know, and the pastor didn't know how to do it or anything about it. And that's what we did, their first virtual meeting. In fact, you ought to go on my, our, our YouTube program, Terry Miles Ministries. And it's, it's called uh, it's just called Pandemic. It's the church with the idea at their church. It was a dynamite sermon from the Holy Ghost. Nobody's there. 1,500 people of auditorium, you know, usually. 
But, man, it went out everywhere. People got helped everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and, then we, we had, and then the pastor didn't know how to take up an offering online or anything about it or tithing or anything. And so, so uh, I said, uh, Pastor, would you like us to do a, uh, just a sit-down virtual meeting just around the table, me and you and Renee, and, and we'll talk about tithing and giving. And the pastor said, oh, that'd be great. Sweet little lady in there. She's 90 years old now. Her husband had died, and so she's got the church. And she didn't know what to do. And so we just had a sit down around the table meeting and talked about giving and tithing and, and faith. And, and uh, she said, I'm showing this next Sunday. I said, well, don't show it next Sunday. You get up and preach next Sunday. She said, no, this is great. She said, I'm, I'm going to show this. <laughs> so that was her next Sunday's meeting. But anyway, there was a, there was a, uh, they shut down the restaurant. We left Tulsa driving to Miami because we just said, you know what? We can't trust the airlines during this deal. They, you, can, you don't know if they're going to be there or not. And we, we're on a schedule, so we so uh, we just started. In fact, we started driving them. We still are, just because you still can't trust the airlines. And I got a schedule to keep, you know. And so we flown a little bit, but we're not used to. We flew every week. And so uh, as we were driving, those restaurants weren't open. You know, gas stations weren't open. So we'd believe God and go to a gas station. We believe God and go to restaurant. And we was driving from Tulsa, and, and, and so we were going through Memphis, Tennessee, and there's a fabulous uh, barbecue famous restaurant in an alley in downtown Memphis. Yeah, it's called the Rendezvous. Been there forever and ever and ever. And we like to eat there when we go through Memphis. So I called them, and I said, are, are, y'all, are y'all open, all this nonsense going on? Are you open? They said, well, yes, sir, we're open, but only for takeout. There's no, there's no dine-in. And I said, well, that's a shame. I said, my wife and I love to stop there whenever we go through Memphis. And I said, we want to stop there today. And, we, and uh, he said, well, you really want to come in and eat? And I said, well, yeah, I really want to come in and eat. Well, go ahead. Come on in. So we went in. We were the only people there. They served us and waited on us. And we were the only ones in the whole place, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so that day in Miami, when we are holding hands and making those declarations, well, we got through that. And there's a, there's a, restaurant there that we love to eat at uh during season you know miami had well i guess y'all do too uh has stone crab and so there's a place over there uh that uh on joe's is a famous one you know but this guy used to work for joe's and his, his name his what billy billy stone crab out there on the intercoastal and uh in hollandale beach and so we like to go there and eat and and, and uh, so i called them up that day from the hotel and i said are y'all open and they said, no, sir, we're not open for dine-in. We're, we're, we're open for carry-out, and we've got a delicatessen. I said, oh, I know. I've, eat, I've bought at your delicatessen. It's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I just, just wanted to eat in. And uh, they said, well, no, sir, you can't, can't do that. And I said, all right, well, we're going to come down there. If you're open, we're going to come down there and buy some stuff, and we'll take it home, take it to the hotel and eat it. Well, we got down there, and I walked into their delicatessen, and, man, it's like gloom and doom, you know, agony on me, you know. And... Uh, and they're just all sitting around. There's eight, six or seven of them in there, and they're just, just miserable. And so I'm, I started ordering some stuff, and I said, I said, I guess you guys are really hurting with this, uh, with this thing, because uh, because your your people work for tips. He said, Oh, you have no idea. He said, This is our best season. He said, This is what we live for, and every year we make enough money during the stone crab season to live the rest of the year. And he said, Now there's no money. And I said, well, and I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out four $100 bills, and I said, give, give this to your people. 
that uh, live by tips. This will help them. He said, you are kidding me. I said, no, no, no. He said, seriously? I said, well, yeah, I just tell them God loves them, God, you know, God bless them. And I, I know this is going to be tough times, so we want to help out a little bit. He said, sir, would you like to eat in here today? <laughs> and I said, well, I thought I couldn't. He said, yes, you can. He, he said, I'll, I'll set you by the water. I'll give you the prime seat in the house, and I'll personally wait on you. So, man, Renee sat in there in that lovely restaurant, you know, right on the intercoastal. And, man, they brought us all kinds of stuff. Of course, we paid for it, but uh-oh. I, I was just Y'all stop the clock. Where we had, where we had just... Where we had just been before we got to Miami, uh, somebody had handed Terry an envelope with, uh, I think it was, I think it was, it could have been seven or eight hundred, but I think it was like it had a thousand dollars in one hundred bills, cash. This. And you know. Did you give it to me? Huh? <laughs> yes. Did I get it? <laughs> yes, you, yeah, that's what you had in your pocket. So, so we knew we had cash, you know? And that, and so we have, we were just, you know, walking around with this cash, and we were, we didn't have, you know, it's like you're, you're all dressed up, and nowhere to go, you know, and you didn't have anywhere to give it, and it was so wonderful that, you know, if he hadn't have had that cash in his hand to be able to bless those people with, I mean, it was just amazing to me how how. All through the pandemic, when everybody else, a lot of people, preachers' meetings were shut down, churches weren't open, I, we never stopped. We were everywhere. And it was just shocking. I mean, people said, we see y'all are everywhere. Y'all haven't slowed down at all. And we said, no, thank God. By the grace of God, we did our job. You know, we didn't, we didn't use it as an excuse to stay home. We demanded places to open up because everything once the pandemic hit all shut down everybody canceled their meetings but we gave it three weeks and prayed about it god showed us how to do it and i'm telling you we hadn't missed a time unless we wanted to take off and we've had cash to bless people with because you can't give a waitress a lot of times somebody you know you can't help somebody you can't help a single mom sometimes you can't help somebody on the street giving them money if you don't have the cash so you gotta have cash That's all, that's all true. It's all true. When Renee married me almost nine years ago, she uh, would come to me and she'd say, we got to have some money. we got to have $15,000 this week. We've got to have $20,000. We've got to have this. We've got to have this because of commitments I've made. You know? and, and, and I would say the same thing to her. Always. I always said to Jackie, and that I've said to her for nine years now, I said, God's got plenty of money. And he shares with us. That's it. That's my that's my statement. Anytime you come to me and say I gotta have money, I gotta where we, God's got plenty of money, and he shares with us. Everybody say God's got plenty of money, and he shares with me. Amen. Now of course you can cut the sharing off if you're not a giver and a tither and a blesser, but if you you know got half cents to read the Bible then uh, you, you, you know how to get money. Our partners have been blessed all through this thing. Our partner churches have been blessed all through this thing. I've had so many partner churches say, we've got more money now, we've got less people and more money. <laughs> you know? And uh, how, ma how many of y'all would like to just, uh, just 
going back to something Renee said a while ago about Brother Wayne. How many of y'all would like to give cars away? Isn't that just great? I mean, wouldn't you like to be the one that's the giver instead of the receiver? You know, I'm happy to receive, but man, what a blessing it is to give. You know? One time Brother Wayne was in uh, England doing a, doing a convention, missions convention, and a, a pastor from South Africa flew over to England. He flew up from England, from South Africa to England to be in the conference. And during the conference, Brother Wayne was preaching on what else? Living to give. And so he's talking about, he had given cars away and this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. And uh, so this guy, after the meeting was over, he was flying back to, to Joburg, to, to Johannesburg, South Africa. And he said, Lord, I'd like to be like Brother Wayne. I'd like to give some cars away. Help me, show me, help me, help me give cars away. And uh, he said, man, that just seems beyond reach to me. I just don't understand how in the world you do that. And so he landed in Joburg and got his luggage and got in his car and headed home. And he passed a, 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 a garage place, and it said, car auction today. And he just stopped and drove in. And so he got out, and he went over to somebody, and he said, how does this work? And they said, well, all these cars are going to be auctioned off today. He said, but it's a, it's a, 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 a silent auction. And he said, so you go around, and you look at the cars, and you find one you want to bid on. And then you write, there's the, we have forms here, you write the amount you're, you're bidding. And he said, then at the end of the certain hour, certain time, he said, then we will uh, we'll announce the, the highest bid on each car, and whoever has the highest bid gets the car for that money. He said, okay. So he went around praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and so he, he bid on every car. <laughs> every one of them. Do you remember how many cars there? I think it was six cars. I think it was six cars. And, uh, and so he bid on all six cars. Didn't have any money. He just bid on them. And, and so whenever time came to make the big reveal and announcement, he won all six. <laughs> His bid was the highest one on every car. So they said, congratulations, you, you won all six. Just step over here and pay up. <laughs> and he thought, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so he said to the guy, he said, he said, well, do you mind if that Ford station wagon there, do you mind if I just drive it down the road and see how it sounds and everything before we, before we do this? He said, that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. So he got in that Ford station wagon and drove down, praying in tongues to, I mean, at 100 miles. <laughs> God, help, 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 help. And while he's driving, he, he passed a garage, and it said, it said, we pay cash for Fords. <laughs> so he drove right in there. He said, uh, Ford, you give me this? And they quoted him a figure that would pay for all six cars. <laughs> and he said, okay, uh, it's a deal, but I got to drive back down the road here and, you know, where I can get somebody to bring with my car. And, uh, can we go ahead and make the deal and sign the papers? And they said, yeah, sure. And so they paid him. <laughs> he went back down the road and paid for all six cars. And then he gave all six of them away. <laughs> Had no money. Yeah. Bought six cars and gave them away. 
just because he said, Lord, I want to give some cards away. I want I want to be that kind of a blesser. I want to be that kind of a giver. I want to help some people that need it. Didn't cost him a thing. Except some nervous energy, I guess. <laughs> I doing this for fifty five years and doing missions conferences like I have, I've had people give cows, horses, land. Stocks, bonds, property, houses. I've had them. I've had them give jewelry. Dear Lord, the jewelry. Gee whiz. And uh, I, I mean antiques. Uh, well, I mean just name something. Guns. You know. I mean just all kinds of stuff. Jackie. Now Jackie. Whenever Jackie and I got married at the wise old age of nineteen, we uh, she loved and had loved all her life. All her 19 years, she had loved diamonds. Man, one of her favorite movies was, who is it, Marilyn Monroe and Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend? Man, she, she believed that. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Of course, she never had one. Never, ever had one. She just thought, hey, man, diamonds are a girl's best friend. And so when we got engaged, I went and bought her a diamond engagement ring. It was little. I think it, it might have been a fourth of a carat maybe. It wasn't wasn't anything to brag about, but it was a diamond ring, and she thought it was great, you know, and I knew a lady in our church that owned a jewelry store, and she gave me a great deal on it, and, you know, of course, this was 1968, you know, and so uh, I bought her this diamond ring, and she loved it, man, it was just, she thought it was great. Well, we go on, and time passes, and we move, we do the army, and we get out of the army, and we go to the mission field. And uh, so we were now, we were living in Oaxaca, and now we've moved now to Guadalajara. God told us to move to Guadalajara. And so we come up to Brother Osteen's, that Renee was talking about, Lakewood Church, John Osteen, Joel's daddy. Uh, John had these missions conventions every Thanksgiving. And we'd go. We went the very first one in 1974. I did. Uh, in 1974, or Jackie and I did, came up from Mexico, from Guadalajara. Uh, and we, that's when we met Dean and Renee. Dean was, Dean was associate pastor, and Renee was organist uh, there at Lakewood Church. And so they were word of faith, and we were word of faith, and nobody else in that church was, including Brother Osteen. You know, now, he became word of faith later, but he wasn't in. And, uh, uh, huh? Oh, those were pioneer days. And Dodie, you know, Dodie's still living, and Dodie wrote this marvelous book, Healed of Cancer. And I highly recommend you get it and give it to people that, that have cancer and you get them on it. But uh, Dodie used to always just come to me. And when I'd come in from Mexico, me and Jackie, or she'd go to Dean and Renee there on staff. And she'd just pat us and just laugh. And she'd say, now, kids, when I die, you put on my tombstone. See, I told you I was sick. And we'd say, Dodie, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And she'd just laugh and laugh and laugh. Well, when she got cancer and, and nearly died, and then God healed her. Oh, boy, it's a powerful story, powerful faith story. That woman, uh, she tells that on herself. She put it in her book. I'm not telling stories out of school. It's in her book. That she's, I used to go up to people and say, see, you put on my tombstone. See, I told you I'm sick. See, that was the dumbest thing. I, I, you know. But, uh, but Dean Renee were word of faith. And so when we met the first day of that convention, because Brother Osteen asked me to come tell my hitchhiker story. It had just happened the month before. And Brother Osteen asked me to come tell it. And some of the phrases I used telling it perked their ears up at being word of faith phrases because they listened to Brother Copeland, Brother Hagin. And so I used the phrase, uh, I made a quality decision. They went, that's, that's word of faith, you know. And then I said something about uh, 
Um, what was the other thing I said that turned turned y'all on? I thought I'd remember that forever. It'll come to me. But anyway, I said I said I made a quality decision, you know, and, and, and oh, I said the integrity of the Word of God. Yeah, I said I said I said you know I just stood on the integrity of the Word of God. And they go, that's Kenneth Copeland, you know. And so we, after service, they ran up to Jackie and I, and we met, and they said, we know who you've been listening to. You've been listening to Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland. I said, that's right. And uh, so we became fast friends that day, and still are to this day, only Jackie and Dean went off and left us. And Brother Copeland tells me Jackie left me for a better man. I don't know what Dean's problem was. But, <laughs> but anyway, we, we started going to these Thanksgiving conventions, missions conventions. Well, I knew Brother Osteen really well. I knew him since I was 15 years old, and I said to him, uh, or I didn't say to him, but I knew he would take probably four offerings per service. I mean, he just was known for that. He just would do it all the time. And then the missions conference, he'd certainly do it or more because here's a missionary who needs some money, here's a missionary who's got a project, here's a missionary who's got a project. And so Jackie and I knew that, and so every night going to the service, we'd stop at a little corner store down the road, and if we had any big bills, like a five, or perchance a 20, I, I turned them into ones because I wanted to give in every offer. I didn't want to miss one offering. So every night we'd do this, and, and then we'd go and we'd give all our money away during that service, have no money, but by the time the next night came around, somebody had handed us some money, so we had money. Now, we have no credit cards, no bank account, no checking, nothing. We're just there, you know. And so uh, this one particular night, we... Uh, we had given all our money away. John had taken up several offerings. And we had, here's two dollars here and this one. Here's a dollar and this one. Here's two, three dollars and this one. You know, and uh, and he called a, a missionary up. I hate to even say he's a missionary. I didn't like him. Uh, he, they they call this preacher up from overseas, from Europe, and he's just a beggar. Just beg, he'd cry, and he, he'd come to the states and cry. I've always said America is suckers for tears. Right? They're suckers for accents. Somebody comes in with an accent and cries, and church, the American church will give it to them. And so this guy had a heavy accent and cried like a man. And so, and everybody loved it because he did. He didn't do anything for God hardly, but, he, but they, he, he could cry good. And he could cry with an accent. And... Uh, <laughs> Dodie even brought him up on the platform one night, and she presented him a, 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 a sheet for a baby bed. And she said, this is a Texas-sized handkerchief that you can wipe your, you can wipe your tears on because you cry so much. And I'm, I'm back there going. So John calls him up. And John says, you know, this brother is believing God for a printing press in his nation to print gospel books and tracts and stuff. So we want to take up the offering. And I'm sitting there just grinning like a possum because I think, thank God I don't have any money. <laughs> I can't get in trouble by not giving. If I had some money, I'd have to give, and I don't want to give to him. And so I'm just happy I don't have any money. <laughs> I'm just sitting there just watching and enjoying. Hey, praise the Lord, this is great. And he's crying, and John's up there saying, oh, my, 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 you need to give this, you know. Didn't he? That's the way he was. John always drew his hands like this, my, 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 my. 
Or he'd call me up and he'd say, my, 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 what if this were your son? What if Jackie were your daughter in darkened Mexico? <laughs> I mean, John was a master at the platform. He was the best. But anyway, yeah, but, but I'm standing there just happy. And Jackie's standing next to me. And I feel her shaking a little bit. And I looked over at her and she's crying. And I said, baby, what, what are you crying about? And she said, I think God, I, I, I think God's telling me to give him my diamond ring. And I went, I'm not going to touch this. <laughs> so, Ann, I'm just like this. And she's over there just crying and crying. So a little bit, she taps me and I said, what? And she said, do you think, do you think it's God? And I said, well, the devil doesn't want that guy to have a printing press, a print, print gospel. Now, I had given a report that morning. Bernie Davis and I had just had a crusade in Honduras, in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. We had, we had 25,000 people in the crowd. We got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of saved. We got thousands filled with the Holy Ghost. We had miracles like they were like God's passing out candy, man. I mean, people run to the front saying, I can see, I can see, I can hear. I, can. I jerked a guy out of a wheelchair that hadn't been out in 30 years, and he took off running. I jerked a guy off his deathbed just in excruciating pain. Every time they touched the bed, he screamed in pain. I grabbed him and jerked him. He ran around the place, healed him. I mean, miracles, miracles. I mean, heaven bent low and kissed the earth, and we got caught right in the middle of the smack. And so Barney got up and testified to that, and I agreed with it, got up and said yes, and so on. I didn't say much. And, uh, and John gave Bernie like $200. He didn't give me anything. And that's fine. But then Simon, oh, I'm going to tell you his name. But then this guy gets up, and uh, he, he gets up that night, and he's just crying. And he says, I, I, cannot, I cannot give you miracles like Brother Terry and Brother Bernie. But I've got seven Bible school students at home in Mikasa that I'm training to be just like myself. And I thought. <laughs> and John hands him a check for $25,000. This clown's got seven people. He's trained to be like him, God forbid. And we come back and tell you that God saved thousands and thousands and thousands of people and filled thousands with the Holy Ghost. They had miracles that are unheard of. And you don't care because we didn't cry and didn't have an accent. And he gets a baby bed sheet and $25,000 and a printing press. So when she said, do you think it's God, man? I'm and she said a little bit, she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it. And I knew what this thing meant to her, man. It was big time, so I'm not touching this. So I said to her, I said, well, baby, if you're going to do it, I said, don't walk down the center aisle where John can see you and don't give it to him because you know what he'll do. He'll make a big deal. Oh, my, 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 look here, look here. This little missionary girl's in dark in Mexico giving her engagement ring to win souls. And, to and I said, he'll make a big deal out of it. I said, just if you're going to do it, just go down the sidewall and walk up and give it to the brother and, uh, and come back.
So she said, I'm going to do it. And so she did. She went around the side and gave it to the guy. John never knew it and then came back. And, uh, but you know what? When she did that, it changed her life. It, it set her free, and it caused her to get diamonds constantly the rest of her life. In fact, in fact, me and DNA and different friends called her Diamond Lil because people were always giving her diamonds. She diamond, I mean, I'd see diamonds come and I'd see them go, and I'd see them come and I'd see them go. And I'd have people in churches I'd preach at that give me people would come and give me some diamond rings and diamond jewelry and stuff, and they'd say, "We want you to take this home to Jackie." I said, "No, no, no, Jackie doesn't need this. <laughs> she, she's got she's got jewelry." I said, "I need to build a church in India." No, you give this to Jackie. No, but I, I got a church in Thailand. I, I need no this. God wants Jackie to have this. All right. And I mean, just they'd come and go, come and go, come and go, come and go, you know. And uh, man, she had some big old honking diamonds, you know. And we never bought any of them. She said, Terry, I don't, ever, I don't want you to ever buy me a diamond. She said, because I don't want any of our partners or anybody ever coming up and say, oh, you took our offerings and bought Jackie diamonds. She said, I want to be able to say, God gave me this. It didn't cost us anything. And so that's what happened all those years. I'd even take her someplace, I don't want to buy you this. She said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have any reproach on the ministry. You know, I'm not going to have somebody think that we, they, we took their tithe or we took their offering or we did that. And I said, well, it'd be okay. You know, we we got to live too, you know. She said, no, no, no. So she wouldn't do it. Wouldn't let me do it. But I mean the rest of her life, you know, diamonds and diamonds and diamonds and diamonds and more diamonds and more diamonds. But that's what living to give does. I said to Pastor last night, we have a saying in Mexico, in Spanish, we have a saying that says, when God gives you a blessing, he provides a bag for you to take carry it home in. You know, when you give because you can't stop it, you can't, can't help it, then you get received because you can't stop it. And that's true. When, when you're a planter, when you're a giver, you're going to receive a harvest. That's the law of God. It's, it's the law. Again, I like laws. And God said, if you sow, <laughs> you will reap. If you plant, you will harvest. And, and, and why the church doesn't get that, why the world doesn't get that, some people do. You know. But, uh, I mean, I mean I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen so much stuff come and go and come and go and come and go. But not, not just a few months after Renee and I got married, we was driving late one night, we was coming back. I think, I think maybe we'd been deer hunting, taking a... The grand boys deer hunting down South Texas between Christmas and and uh, New Year's, and uh, we're just driving along, and and uh, I got a phone call, and this little old girl, pastor's daughter, that I had known since she was this big, and I'd taken her to Jamaican and missions trips and stuff like that, and then she, and then she married a boy that was the pastor's son, and I'd known him since he's this big, and Renee had known them real, she didn't know the girl, but she knew. She knew the boy all, all his life because they were old Lakewood people back when they were there, you know. And uh, she calls me, and she said, Brother Terry? And I said, hey, sweetie, what's going on? And she said, uh, I just called you to tell you I'm, I'm putting a check in the mail right now for $100,000 for you. And I said, what? I mean, I've known this girl all her life. She didn't have $100,000. And uh, she said, uh, yeah, we're putting a check. And I said, well, wait, 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 wait. I don't want you to do something weird and hurt yourself, you know. 
She said, no, no, no. I said, well, then tell me, tell me about this. How did this come about? And she said, when, when we got married, so when, my, when my, Jonathan, my husband, and I got married, she said, we decided we wanted to give you $100,000. Now, she had been giving me $10 a month since she's a teenager. Right. Every month, partner, partner, partner. And she said, we wanted to give you $100,000. And she said, so we wrote out the check for $100,000. She said, we didn't date it, and we didn't sign it, but we wrote it out, Terry Myers Ministries, $100,000. And we prayed over it. And we put it in a drawer. And every few weeks, we'd take it out, pray over it, put it in a drawer. And they'd been married about two, two years, maybe three years now. And she said, so we've done that now for three years. We prayed over that check. And she said, and now it's good. And so I'm signing it and putting the date on it. And it's coming in the mail. And I thought, you know, you're a pretty sharp cookie there. That's, 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 that's the way faith works. You know, she acted on it. She said it. You know, she did it, right? And just, just you know, man, you, you could give any amount you want to if you'd do like that. If you'd go in partnership with God and say, Lord, pastor wants to do this or this or this or this, and we're going to get in there with him so... Here's a check, and we're not going to tell him or anybody else about it, but we're going to pray over this thing, and tomorrow we're going to pray over it, and next week we're going to pray over it, and, and we're going to keep praying over it until, until when we drop it, it doesn't bounce. <laughs> when we drop it, it'll be good. Because there's no limits that way. There's, there's no limits on you, you giving to God. And when Jesus, when God said it in the Old Testament, when all three, I mean, I just gave you one scripture in the Old Testament, but there's so many. And then when Jesus, all those scriptures, they didn't have to say that. That's what just boggles me. I, I just think, you didn't have to say that. You did that for us. He didn't do that for him. Like I said the other night, God didn't, God didn't supply that oil and meal to save Elijah's life. He can take care of the prophet. He, he did all that to save that lady and her son. He's doing all this for you. And I tell you what, when, when, when Renee and I prayed that prayer that day when COVID started, bam, we, we just, you know. And then when Jackie and I prayed that prayer in Wayne Myers' guest bedroom all those decades ago, and, and I said, we'll never turn from it, we'll never stop it. And, and we've just lived that way all these years, living together. Living together, living together. And, uh, a lot of learning. Oh, a lot of learning. A lot of learning. Let me tell you one more story. I could tell you, you know, hundreds. But, uh, it, you know, Renee's taking up my time tonight. <laughs> but one night, one night <clears throat> toward the end of the year, and most, most traveling ministers will tell you that the end of the year is not really a great time. I don't confess that. But because, you know, pastors are winding down and they don't, don't usually have guest speakers at Christmas or any of those couple of several weeks through there, you know, and so, uh, and people are busy doing Christmas, and they forget about church, and they forget about pastor, and they forget about orphans, they forget about missions, and they're trying, they're stressed out trying to get their kids and grandkids to Christmas, and, and so it's, it's really has never historically been a good, a good time for traveling ministers, but I've never confessed, I was, oh no, we were blessed, and so uh, <clears throat> we needed desperately, desperately, this wasn't something we could put off. I mean, this was this 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 was getting very serious, and we needed desperately sixty thousand dollars. 
I mean, we, it, 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 this is no joke. We had to have it deadline. We, there's no missing this. This is, this is pretty serious stuff. And so uh, we didn't have it. And so uh, my son Lynn and I took off. I guess you weren't with me. And Lynn and I, my oldest son, we took our grandbaby. I got, I've, got, I've got five grandsons, but I only have four of them. And, uh, and so we took them deer hunting. And on the way back now, we got to get back because we, we, we went the day after Christmas, and then we, then we and I preached down before we was going. I preached down there on New Year's Eve, watch night service, we call it, New Year's Eve. And then, and then their school started on January the 4th, and so we're, we're heading back on the 3rd. And so we're driving along, you know, and, and I'm just praying under my breath and thinking about all this stuff. And, uh, and Jackie calls me. And uh, she, she said, hey, where are you all at? And I told her, and I said, what time you be home? And I told her. And uh, she said, hey, I talked to Brother Wayne and Martha today. Uh, and I said, you did? I said, how are they doing? She said, oh, they're doing really, really good. I said, are they in Mexico City? She said, no, they're in Dallas. I said, really? I said, well, we're going to be driving through Dallas here in a little while. And uh, I said, I think I'll, I'll, I may stop and say hi to them. And uh, so we talked there for a few minutes, and, and, and I hung up. And uh, they always maintained an apartment at Christ for the Nations there in Dallas for, for decades. They maintained an apartment there. And uh, so uh, I, I, picked, I, I, call, I hung up and called Wayne. And I said, hey, Doc, I said, uh, I just talked to Jackie, and she said, you and Martha are in uh, Dallas. He said, yeah, I said, we are. And I said, well, I took my grandbaby hunting this, this week, and, and we're on our way to Tulsa tonight, and uh, I'm going to stop by and, and see you. And just for a few minutes, he said, "Well, well he said, well, just just stay while we'll we'll go to lunch. I'll buy you dinner. I'll take you and Lynn and the boys to dinner." I, I said, "No, sir, I appreciate that, but we we can't. The boys got to go to school tomorrow." And I said, "I'm already in trouble with mamas, you know, wanting me to get get them home early so they can get to school in the morning." And so uh, I said, "But I am going to stop and see you." But I said, "I can't stay long. I just want to hug your neck." And he said, "Well, all right, we'll be waiting for you. Come on." And so I looked at Lynn. Lynn was our business administrator and handled our money. And I said, uh, hey, bud, I said, uh, uh, we need $60,000, right? He said, yes, sir. And I said, uh, how much have we got in the bank? And he said, 12000 And I said, well, 12000 isn't 60000 is it? He said, no, sir. And I said, well, we're going to go through Dallas, and I'm going to stop and see Wayne and Martha. And I said, you got a ministry check with you? He said, yes, sir, I do. And I said, okay, get a check and make it for $15,000. And he said, $15,000? We only got twelve. I said, that's okay. Now, I don't recommend you all do this, but I knew where my faith was. You, you need to always know where your faith level is. You don't do something stupid. Brother Copeland always taught you taught to believe God for your socks before you start believing God for your suit. Because when, when you start believing God for little things, you know what you can believe for. So if you got $100 faith, then don't try believing for $1,000. If you got $1,000 faith, don't be trying to believe for a million. It's probably not going to work until you build it up, until you start knowing what you and God can do. And, hmm? Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, I said, I know I can believe for $3,000 before that check hits the bank. I, I, know, I, I know I can get $3,000. And I said, I said, but we're going to plant seed, and I, we're going to wipe out the bank account plus three thousand dollars, and we're going to give them that fifteen thousand, and we're going to pray over it. And I said, we're not going to tell them what it's for. We're not going to tell them what we need. I mean, we never have done that. We never will do that ever. 
And so <coughs> he said, okay, Dad. And so he made out the check, and we went on, and just before we got to their house, you know how I did, grandpas and mamas and dads and grandmas know this. I turned and said, boys, we're going to stop and see Papa's really, really good friends. And I want you to be polite and mind your manners, and I want you to shake hands, look them in the eye, and shake hands, and I want you to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I don't want you messing with stuff in their apartment. And we're only going to be there a few minutes. Papa's going to talk to them, maybe drink a cup of coffee, and then we're going to leave. Yes, sir, Papa. All right. So we got there, and we all marched in, you know, the four grandbabies and me and Lynn. And we visited a few minutes, and then I pulled a check out. I said, I said hey, Wayne, I want to give you this, this check. And, uh, and then we got to go. And so we prayed over it, you know, and believed God, that God bless it, and God multiply it, and God bring the harvest, and so on, so on. And we left. And, uh, and you know, before when we got home, not only was the check good, the 3000 had come in, but uh, we, there was enough to pay the 60000 and left over. Amen. And you'll never convince me it wasn't because of planting that seed. And I can tell you impossible stories. I mean, crazy, impossible stories. That God just, I mean, what does God do? Not the sensational, not the spectacular. He does the miraculous. Amen. I, I can't leave without telling you this little bitty story. It, it's just so cool. I was preaching in a place in Mexico called Tepeapulco, Hidalgo, Mexico. Way up in the mountains, north of Mexico City. And uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine was with me, another missionary was with me. And uh, we didn't either one have any money, I mean, to speak of. And so one night, uh, and we were staying at the pastor's house because there's not even any hotel in that town. And so we're eating at their house and staying at their house and, you know. And so one night, uh, I said, or one afternoon, I said something to Ross. His name was Ross Berryman. And I said something to Ross. I said, are you any money? He said, no, man, I don't have any money. And I said, well, I don't either. I just spent my last, that, those Cokes we had a while ago, I spent my last money. And, and he, he said, well, yeah, me too. I said, of course, we didn't need any. I mean, they're, we're staying with them and eating. But I said to him, I said, well, I said, I told God years ago I wouldn't be broke. In fact, Jackie and I made a commitment that not only when we won't be broke, so therefore we, when we get down to a 20 is all we got or a 10 is all we got or a 5 is all we got, because I'm not going to squeeze that thing and squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it trying to make it last. I'm going to give it away. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I'm broke. I told you I wouldn't be broke. And we live that way forever. And I said, so I told the Lord years ago I wouldn't be broke. And I said, here we are, I'm broke, and you're broke. And we're not going to do that. I said, tonight, in the name of Jesus, you and I both will have money, cash, and we'll have American cash. Now, we're in the Thule's of Mexico. They don't American cash. And so I got up and preached that night, and we prayed and had salvations and had miracles, and it was good, and dismissed the service, and he and I walked outside on the porch and shook hands with people, and they came out, you know, and said, see you tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and a little girl came by and shook our hand, and everybody's finally gone. Nobody's left in the church. So we went over and shut the door and started to, started to leave. And here comes that little girl running. She's only about like eight or nine years old, you know. And she comes running back up there. And she ran up to me and grabbed me and hugged my leg, you know, and she handed me an American $20 bill. 
And she turned to Ross and handed him an American $20 bill and turned around and ran off. Now, I don't know where she got 40 American dollars. <laughs> I mean, I'd have been surprised if she could have found 40 pesos, Mexican pesos. But she gave us two American 20s. Isn't that cool? I mean, in an impossible situation. Stand up with me. I'm sure y'all just about at the end of your rope here. But at least we did pray for you. Y'all been gracious this two days. I wish we was going two or three more days. And uh, boy, I tell you, we'd, we'd stir something up. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation, with a great God, with a great vision to get the gospel to the world, to lift people, to love people, to share, to care, to embrace, to minister, to always minister life to the people and always lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you that they've been so faithful and consistent and stable and steady all these many decades. Father, it's been an honor to be friends with them. It's been an honor to be partners with them. And we're not through yet. And we thank you for it. Lord, we give you honor and glory and majesty and dominion for what's been preached and said this week, even from Renee. And we thank you, Father, for ministering to us, for healings, for miracles. We thank you for that anointing that went into people to linger there, to hover there, to stay there. To hover. That they can go to bed with it. And it'll minister to them. It'll create what needs to be created. It'll destroy what needs to be destroyed. We thank you. Father, I pray blessings on this church. Blessings on this ministry. Blessings on this people. And Lord, the offerings that they've given to us over the many, many years and the offerings they've given to us uh, this week. I believe you to multiply it supernaturally. If you can provide two $20 American $20 bills out in the middle of Mexico in the mountains in an impoverished little village, well, there's just no limit to what you can do. There's just not any limit to what you can do. The miracle is always just right there. We talked last night about that world, that, that other world, the fourth dimension, your world, the real world, is just right here. It's just right here. And we don't look at the other world. We don't look at this world because this world, the things that we can see, smell, taste, touch, feel, those things are temporary. They're perishable. We don't look at that. That's what our neighbors look at. That's what our relatives look at. That's what our friends look at. That's what, that's what the, everybody looks at. But you told us not to. So we don't look at that. We look into the other world because those things are eternal. Those things will last forever. Those things have unlimited supply. Those things have quail that come out of the sea. Those things have manna. Those things have water that comes out of the rocks. Though that world, that world fed... 15,000, 20,000 people out of a little boy's sack lunch. 
and left 12 baskets full left over. That didn't come out of that kid's lunch sack. That came from the other world. Those net breaking load of those 12,000 pounds of fish, they, they didn't come out of that sea. They came from the other world. Well, Father, I want you to know Renee and I have made a decision. Bob and Niv have made a decision. Some other folks have made a decision. I hope everybody will. Then we're going to live for that world. We're going to live for the un unlimited world. The unlimited supply from the unlimited God. You made all this stuff. You're the creator. So I thank you. I thank you. We are not limited to the beggarly elements of this world. We're not limited to the laws of this world. We're not limited to look to our job as our source. Our job provides money for work. We work, they pay us. Nothing supernatural about that. So we look to unexpected sources. We appreciate our job. We appreciate our salary. We're glad about that. But that's not our source. Our source is unlimited. Our source has money. Our source has healing. Our source has miracles. Our source has new bones, has new organs, has new hearts, lungs, liver, pancreas, prostate, uh, uterus. Uh, uh, that other world's unlimited. And Father, we're training ourselves. We have to grab our ear and talk to ourselves and say, listen, don't look at this world. Look at the other world. Paul said that other world is eternal. We can look there. Father, we're on, we're on first name basis with the teller at that bank. When we come to give, that teller says, well, hello, Terry. How are you and Renee doing today? Well, we fine. We just came to make a deposit. And then every now and then we need to go and make a withdrawal. And so I thank you for that world being more real to us than this world. And that would sound stupid and crazy to people out in the world, but we're not in the world. We're not citizens of this world. We live for that world, and we live by your book, your laws, your precepts, your statutes, your commandments, your ideas. We're God people. We, we bypass the intelligence of this world. Thank you for the intelligence of this world. That's great. But we've got such a higher source. You think, you said my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Well, I agree. You said my ways are higher than your ways. Well, of course they are. So I'm coming over with you. I'm hooking up with you. I'm thinking your thoughts. I'm talking your words. I'm doing your actions. I'm receiving your blessings. And I thank you for it. And I thank you that they can write on the calendar and say, you know what, the day that all changed for me was that, that, that two-day seminar that Terry and Renee did in August of 23, and things have never been the same. I believe we'll be able to mark it on the calendar and say that was it. We knew a lot of this stuff already, but that God sealed some things and solidified some things. Father, thank you for a pastor like Bob and like Ned that, that will stay with the people and stay faithful and stay committed. A lot of pastors cut and run these days. 
But thank you if they stay and they stand and they're strong and they're committed. And they'll fight hell for these people. Not a lot of pastors will do that anymore. We, we, we thank you for pastors that will fight hell for us. That have spiritual authority. That take dominion. That even though it's not fair to use the name of Jesus on the devil, they'll do it anyway. And we thank you for it. We thank you for them. Thank you for pastors. You said you'd give us pastors after your own heart, and that's exactly what you've done. And Renee and I are honored. We're pleased to be partners with them and them partners with us. We thank you. And together we've done a lot of stuff in a lot of countries, and we're not through yet. And we give you the glory, the honor, the praise, the majesty, and dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Amen, 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 Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just lift your hands and thank Him for it. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Glory to God. And don't forget the book table, the tapes, the, the CDs. Uh, the things that are out there, and uh, and also what Renee said to you, uh, really, we, we don't talk about it much. We forget about it, but we've got a great YouTube program. Every week comes out every Friday, and uh, just go to YouTube and type, you know, type in Terry Myers Ministries, and boy, you can go to the archives, and there's hundreds of programs. You can just say, preach, Terry, preach, Renee. <laughs> That's the only way you can get Renee. You shut up. You say, turn it off. Amen. You're, you've got the power. Yeah, I'm going home with you all tonight. <laughs> we love you all. It's been an honor to be with you. Come on, Pastor. To thank him. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his goodness, for his grace, for his word, for his anointing, for all that he's done, all that he's said, all that he's imparted to us in these two days the things that came alive inside of us, the aha moments we got when we received from the word, blessed by the anointing, the move of the Holy Ghost. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Terry and Renee. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here and what you've imparted to us in these days. Tremendous blessing. Can you say amen? Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. I'm going to share with you for a moment from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But, you know, I'm just thinking about just some of the things that he talked about. And, um, you know, he just interweaves the, the teaching of the word with the stories of real life and things that have happened and the proving of the word just because it works. Isn't that right? Amen. 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 Live for God with all of your heart and live to give. Amen. And live out in the other world. It's a lot nicer over there. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. It says, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Now, let's look at it in the Passion Translation of verses 12 and 13. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
Make sure that you show your deep appreciation for those who cherish you and diligently work as ministers among you. For they are your leaders who care for you, they teach you, and stand before the Lord on your behalf. They value you with great love. You know, Terry and Renee love you. I don't know if you know that, but they love you very much. And do you know what love does? Love gives. You know, and Terry and Renee, every time they come, they give of themselves. They're before the Lord to find out what it is that they need to share with you and impart to you. And um, they pour out from the Holy Spirit to us on our behalf. And that's so wonderful. Isn't that right? And uh, we have received much and we love much. So the loving part on our side is what he says about showing our deep appreciation. The word appreciation means to acknowledge the high status of a person. Well, Brother Terry is not an apostle to everybody, but he is an apostle to us. And that's a high status that we honor and appreciate. To appreciate also means to show honor and to show respect. Now, respect is something that you get out of Acts chapter 28 when Paul was on the Isle of Malta. And he was on his way to Rome. And it says that the barbarians on the island showed Paul many marks of respect. You remember that? And the word respect means to bestow special marks of honor and respect. But the concise Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament says place monetary value on it with an estimated value of worth. The dictionary for biblical language says to provide financial aid and assistance, that that's what respect is all about. Now, when Paul left the Isle of, of, of Malta with all the many marks of respect that they shared, uh, Rick Renner says that when Paul left Malta, he had more money than what was legally allowed, that that's how much they gave him the barbarians. And then he lived for two full years renting his own quarters in the city of Rome, which at that time was the most expensive city in the world. And he lived off of the respect that he got from the barbarians on the island of Malta. Amen. Amen. So now it's our turn to show our appreciation for them and their ministry. And we want to esteem them and their work very highly. And of course, as we're sowing, just like the Shunammite woman that we talked about Sunday morning, we're sowing upward, we're showing honor, we're showing value, and we're appreciating the anointing. So with these in mind, we want to sow our seed tonight. Amen. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, we purpose in our heart, and our main purpose is to hear from you and to follow your leading and your direction and what it is that you'd have us to do. Father, we do highly honor, respect, appreciate, and value your anointing on this ministry. We thank you so much for coming to us, imparting to us, touching us, that whether we're in this room or whether we've been online watching. I know that there's people in other states that are watching online. If they could have been here, they would have been here but they're not in the state and they have to watch online. And I know that you've blessed them out there because they are not doing it just as a matter of convenience, but they're doing it because that's what's needed at this time. 
So I thank you, Father, that in the room or online, your anointing goes out, your revelation goes out, your impartation goes out, fills us, touches us, and changes us. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to show our appreciation for what you've done in our midst in these days. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If you need an envelope for cash or for credit card giving, it's on the seat back in front of you. Uh, if you're given by check, make it out to New Life, but mark your check or your envelope for Terry Mize, and he gets everything. We take no expenses at all out of any of the offerings. Everything goes to them, and we believe God for everything else, and God always takes care of everything because he's good. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, if you joined us online, you can go to newlifefamilyworship.net and you can sow to uh, Terry and Renee uh, by giving online. And in the description box, just put Terry Mize. And we'll make sure that everything that comes in online, as some has over the past few days, we make sure everything goes into their ministry. And thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. Glory to God. And I would encourage you to become a monthly partner with uh, Terry Mize Ministries. Um, if you give online, make it a recurring payment. Just make it recurring on your charge card every month. It would just come out and, um, you know, just make it a regular monthly partment because it touches people around the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah.